This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason and it's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always i am never alone sir please introduce yourself i am dan the comic book man dan the comic book man is here on this very special episode i think they're it's all a very special episode I think they're all pretty this special. whole podcast is special this it, is a special podcast it is but this is a special occasion the boys are back in town the boys are back in town and this is a show you know that that's lighting up social media everybody's talking about it people who never followed the comics people who weren't even around for season uh one are you know, loving what's going on with the boys. Uh, you are loving what's going on with the boys. You actually demanded to be on the boys review um, <laughs> for this season. Uh, can you talk well, a little bit about right, that? Well, it's only right because I just fell in love with this show out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, it was just a, it was just a surprise. Like, I just, like, two years ago or last year, was it last year, I just wanted to, I wanted to watch something. I didn't know what I want to watch, but I wanted to watch something. And... There was the boys right there, Homelander's face with the laser eyes right on a concrete wall or whatever. I'm like, let's try this out. God damn, eight hours later, I was blown away. Yeah, it's good stuff. Completely. Every episode, the ending of every episode just had me ready. Ready for another one. Ready for another one. And this show just serves like for us as like... um a bit of a chaser, right? We take in so much superhero and comic book content that sometimes the tropes and the um, stories can kind of get a bit stale because how many different origin stories can you do? How many different mind control teams can you do? You know, stuff like that. And so when The Boys comes in, it's kind of a breath of fresh air because it's almost a parody of everything we do for the rest of the year. 100%. Um, the Boys season two, uh, you know, aired. Well, it premiered on September fourth. Um, the big thing about season two, as opposed to season one, was that they decided with season two that they were going to stagger the episodes. So when season one dropped, the entire uh, season dropped on Amazon Prime on the release day. Yeah, and allowed because that's how I did. I binged it in one. Right, they allowed everyone to binge it. Um, at their own speed, but uh, season two didn't. They just released. I want to say the first three episodes, or was it two? Yeah, they did the same thing. Um, Doom, Doom Patrol, Patrol did. did right. Um, how how did you feel about that when that happened? Um, as we know, because of that, the series itself was basically review bombed. Uh, with yeah, uh, people got it at a forty nine percent out of fourteen hundred reviews. 
um, one star ratings because people were upset that all the episodes weren't available. Uh, it's a bit of a um, tantrum, <laughs> a bit of a temper tantrum by the fan base. But how did you feel about the staggering of these episodes, the release schedule and stuff? I was a fan of it because then it gave, it gave me a longer show. It gave me more to watch. I wanted that. Like, yeah, yeah I, get, I get the whole binging thing. But I don't know. There was just there's something, it, something felt cool between this and the boys and Stargirl, like watching it as as it came out week by week was just fantastic. Like it's a to me, it's just a great feeling. Like I miss that feeling. I miss that cliffhanger ending and having to sit with it for a whole week and not knowing where it's going to go. I like that. Always uh, love that. A lot of people. um you know, when it comes, when push comes to shove, when it comes to these television shows, especially these kind of fringe television shows where you kind of have to have like this flavor of television to watch it, um, what keeps these shows alive is the conversation taking place around them, right? And we talk about this all the time because we review so many different comic book shows that, especially like with the Marvel Netflix shows, we would try to finish that entire series the weekend of so as to have our review out for those who did binge it over the weekend. Yes. But what the problem that we faced when it came to that was that um it would be like a like a fast meal. It was in and out of us. You know, once once yeah. you were done with 100%. it, it just kind of goes away. And by having these episodes every week, um the boys social media team as well has been like really keeping stoking the fires of conversation with this, you know. They've um asked for memes the show actually embraces meme culture. Um, they've played a little banter with other comic book shows out there. They're really trying to make this almost event television, like getting everyone excited to watch every new episode as it drops, as opposed to, I hope you finished it, you know, <laughs> this weekend. Um, and now that we had it in this staggered schedule, people get to theorize, right? People get to look at Easter eggs. People get to sit and wonder on themes where sometimes binging it all is like having a microwaved meal where it it's not really how it's supposed to be made but it 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 settles you know for it for the little bit that you have it no yeah I, I think that's a testament to what doom patrol really did this year with its season the way it would just go back and forth with with umbrella academy on twitter like this year a lot of shows have really like threw their all into not just the show but the the whole life of the show. It's interesting that you mentioned Umbrella Academy. I know you really, really liked that season, and I thought it was tremendous. We covered it here as part of the podcast. But in talking about what I was talking about previous, you see how quickly the show has kind of left the minds of its fans? Yes. Um. If, if As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for that meme of, of uh, Five driving past um, Seven? Yep. Uh, by the farm. Yeah, if it wasn't for that meme, I don't think anyone would be saying any uh, much more about it. And it's not because the show is good. Um, it's not because the show isn't good. It's just because it, it's come and gone, you know. Um, and I I did like the way that they did this, but I did not anticipate that people would try to review bomb this when push came to shove. Yeah, no, I don't understand why people like. I don't. Know, I thought this season was fantastic for where everywhere it went. The, the themes, the jokes, the it's commentary. It's still on point. Like, yeah, we're gonna we definitely gonna talk on the commentary um, because 
the showrunner, Eric Kripke, who, you know, has been running the show since season one, he's made some significant changes to the comic lore. Um, I have not continued my read of The Boys, but I did get pretty heavy into it when we covered it for season one. Um, so I remember some of the themes and some of the um, the stories that came from that, uh, that run by Garth Ennis, Garth Ennis sorry, and Derek Robertson. Um, but I, I, want, I guess we should talk about this up front. A lot of people were saying that this season or show in general might be too political. And my um, interpretation of that is, or my opinion on that is, that if you read the original comic, I think the original comic only brought up certain issues for shock value as opposed to ever trying to... Uh, have anything to say about it. Right, 100%. Like, a, a lot of that stuff was just put out there to be like, wow, can, look at how edgy this comic is, the blood, the gore, the um, sex, the but themes like that. there was like no that. substance to its edginess. It was all just style, style, style. Ooh, look at us. Look what we can do. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to rape a girl in, in, in our opening comic, and we're all superheroes. Orgy. Like, and here's an orgy. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy that this comic had really nothing to say from what I've, from what, because we read the same amount, yeah. basically. What did we read? Like, 24 at, at issues? Yeah. 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 And it didn't really ever say anything. No. And, and even done better, they did the freaking plane crash scene better in the show. Right. It, it, there's no, majority of the, of the soups on the, in the book are uh, one dimensional, you know? Um, like we were saying before, there's not much depth to the subject matter. Um, and I wonder, do you take a show like this that's so juvenile, or sorry, like a story or a comic like this that's so juvenile, um, and change it, right? Because you have to admit that there's been some changes made, but I don't understand the backlash to it, <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, if you like the original book, for the outlandish and crazy imagery, all of that's still in the show. Um, I don't think the show's too preachy. And as a matter of fact, some people are like, oh, you know, it's touching on a lot of things that we're dealing with in 2020, but this was written last year. <laughs> they almost, they were done filming pretty, pretty shortly after uh, season one premiered, if you can remember. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, a sad truth <laughs> that a lot of the issues... Um, from two years ago, from 20 years ago, from 50 years ago, are still here. And thus, if you make a conversation around them, it seems like you're being topical. But those elements are always topical. Does that make sense? No, it's it's 100%. It's 100% the truth. And that's just, I think that's just the problem that people don't seem to understand is like, you know, these problems have always been topical. Yeah. Always. Racism has always been a topical subject. Sexism and has always been a topical subject. Human rights has always been a top subject. Just, just though I, get, I get tired when people use the word political in the wrong context. Yeah. Talking about human rights and human representation and diversity is not political. Wanting to see more than just a white man on the screen is not political. Right. It's funny how it's only political when, when people talk about seeing an Asian woman or a Muslim woman or this Alexandria Cortez looking character in this show. Like, right. come on, man. Like it's representation. It's not political. Exactly. If that's what you think is political, well then you really need to like, you know, self-evaluate. Yeah. Really read yourself. 
and wonder why and wonder to yourself why it's bothering you. Oh, one hundred percent. You need to like figure your shit out. Like you know, put your shit in a box, get your shit together. <laughs> I, I know it's cliche to say, but it's you know it's been said by many people smarter than me that um, if like the uncomfortability that people have with some of this subject matter um, is usually because they've never had to confront it, and there's a host of people who don't have the liberty to hide from it. You know, like so you've there's certain people that from a place of comfort don't like talking about these hard topics, but other people never get afforded that comfort and have to live in those topics every day. Um, we see stuff like that with Maeve, right? How that ends up just being a uh they commercialize her sexuality. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, she's now like a and that, but that's a real comment. 100%. That's like a, that's real commentary on what they do today it's like oh you know let's they, they, we found that the fans uh like more of the porsche will uh, ellen DeGeneres look yeah in a couple right like, right what the? yeah they're they, trying to they, do they almost they can't Haishi, like they speak about what they can sell you know and um we, we were dealing a lot of that and approval ratings right and right um i think one of the big uh themes of this season after after look i i've seen it one and a half times i got halfway through a second watch before i started saying hey i gotta write some notes down um but i think uh obviously one of the big themes is family but more so than that it's the idea of like being disenchanted from family or disenchantment from family like the oh 100 yeah like the feeling that of disappointment that something or somebody that you respected or admired um, didn't, wasn't what you thought it was or uh, wasn't what it was supposed to be in your eyes and how you seemingly have to come out of that and come back from that. Me and you have a lot of conversations um, off air because we've spoken about how this generation, probably more than any others, are starting to recognize the harmful effects that um, can be passed down through parenting. And who's to blame for those things, right? Like, uh, are uh, there's a lot of people dealing with their family members in this, and how them being raised by them has affected the way that they live their lives, how they treat other people, the relationships that they have with people, and it's something that I think this society is doing more than any other at at the moment. Um, and what did you think about them going so hard with the various different? Um, you know, like Starlight, she completely got disenchanted, right? Like she completely doesn't believe in anything anymore. At one point, um, when she is blackmailing that church friend of hers, <laughs> an old friend from the yes. church, she tells him that God doesn't exist <laughs> and it's all lies. This is someone who was uh, raised as a Bible thumper, um, went to, uh, sorry, went to religious conventions <laughs> you know for years did the whole convention tour and stuff like that and all it takes is a lie that she wasn't given these gifts by god to have her completely lose the light in her eyes when it comes to something like that so i thought that was well it's it was yeah it's like because um well what's the word i'm looking for there was a certain word it's like it's a fall she has completely fallen from her own idea of what grace is because there was that one scene where she's like you know before i would have thought about this person's family and blah 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 and now all i thought was this is just another person in the way yeah 
Yeah. And obstacles. That, yeah. Obstacles. As opposed to seeing them as people, you know, she really starts to detach herself. Um, and that's another part of family that, that happens as well, is that we often look for purpose in our family, right? Uh, we, sometimes we're given that by our parents. Sometimes we search for it through our parents. Um, and she was given her purpose. You know, she was put on this earth by God to be a soup. That's how she was told she got her powers and what her mission was. Once she finds out about this compound V thing that superheroes are made and they're not born, um, it shakes her whole belief system. And now if I wasn't put on this earth to be a hero, then what am I doing here? You know? And it's the purpose, the search for purpose that a lot of us deal with. If you're not religious, it's a little bit harder, right? Because there's no one to ask. Um, but they play around with that here. Many people are looking for their purpose. Um, let's talk about the guy whose purpose is, is literally ripped out from underneath him. Let's talk about uh, Billy, but also in regards to Becca and Ryan. Um, Carl, Urban, eh, Carl Urban returns as Willem Billy Butcher, the leader of the boys and former a a SAS operative who distrusts all individuals with superpowers. He has a particular hatred towards Homelander, who he believes is responsible for the disappearance of his wife. Um, but as we remember from the season finale, uh, his wife is alive and has a child. Chantel Van Santen is back as Becca. Well, he Pucci. always believed to, to, for her to be alive. Because there was that part in season one where he was like fighting with her sister. Yeah, because they had a it funeral like, for her. Yes. And he uh, he ended up like breaking her the fucking um the tombstone. Yeah, cause she he's he's like she's not dead. Right, she's alive. That's my Carl Urban. I know it's terrible. <laughs> Don't shoot me. What do you think about Carl Urban this season? Oh, bro, this is a broken man. This is not the butcher I read in the fucking comics, and I'm so glad that Urban put his own life into William Butcher. Like yeah. his hair is just so spiky perfectly spiky mm -hmm. that outfit the way he walks how everybody's a dumb cunt like <laughs> bro it he's he is one of the greatest protagonists or he's a, he's an anti-hero but i mean i guess when you do moments of sacrifice you're a hero so yeah it's one of the greatest heroes ever dude is he's it's so crazy how someone like that who's raw tells it like it is you know like takes no shit it's just a human, and he's the good guy, as opposed to the people that have the power, the physical capabilities to change the world are the villains. This is the commentary that the, that, that the comic should have done. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that I think you're touching on is this idea. Okay, so we, me and you talk a lot about – I'm going to bring a lot of our personal conversations into this conversation today. Let's do it. <laughs> but me and, right. you, me and you talked uh, – we had long conversations about characters like Rick Sanchez and characters like the Joker, right? Characters that seem too cool and too smart to ever really, um, you know, be messed with or beaten and how these guys become um, – like they get idolized by those who feel disenfranchised. And I would argue that you can kind of do the same with Butcher, right? Like, Butcher doesn't care about anything. Butcher doesn't care about anybody. Butcher's the smartest guy in the room. Butcher has the smartest things to say. Um, and what this show did was say, well, what is Butcher if you take away his mission? Because with his mission, he's the coolest guy in the room. He knows what he needs. 
He's ruthless about getting it. Ed- Edgar's like, and I, you thought I was sav- savage. <laughs> but Butcher is this mission. And when you take him away from that, we really see that, you know, the, the, the comic, spoiler alert, Becca's dead. So there's never a moment where Butcher has to look inside of himself and say, well, maybe I've gone too far. With Becca being alive, it really puts a spotlight on him and says, well, who are you? If if you take away this well, mission, that's why they made you? a purpose. So that's why they made a purpose to have Huey his like canary. Like, yeah. how far will Billy go to just save his wife? Yeah, you know when the season starts, um, all the boys are wanted criminals, and they're hiding in a Haitian drug smugglers underground like uh, headquarters. And Butcher's nowhere to be found. Um, and we. Last we saw, they were on the front porch, but then he gets moved away. He woke up in a parking lot and stuff. How do you feel about how they picked things up right from where we left them? Oh, that was great because I think it was like the third episode. Yeah, I did you expect to see him? Episode. Did you expect to see him on the porch? Oh, not at all. No, no. I I didn't know where the thing was. Like I didn't know how they were gonna go about it. I figured like the way the the the, the trailer made it seem. It made it seem like there was they were going to be picking up like two weeks later or like a month later. Like there's going to be some time passing. Okay. They just jumped straight into it, just right into it. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, like, when the season ended, what happens there? Because you have Homelander right there. If he wants to kill Billy, he'll kill Billy and stuff. And we didn't see much of a reason as to why he wouldn't. So that kind of put Billy in danger. And not seeing him in the beginning of the episodes was a little bit iffy. Um, but we got that. We got the proof of Becca being alive. And like I said, if, I feel like it flies in the face of his mission over the last decade, right? Because Ryan's like, what, 10 maybe? Eight, nine? So it's like he's been doing this for 10 years, trying to take all these soups down for killing his wife, and she's alive. So when he goes back to the boys, I found it funny that Huey was a bit hesitant to like just follow him. Like He came back and was like, okay, band's back together. Let's Let's keep doing what we're doing. And Huey's like, like no. <laughs> uh, he That's the beginning, I guess, of him being the canary and him being like, hey, you, you've kind of gone too far. And they play a, uh, around a lot with the idea that Billy doesn't have, he kind of doesn't have an internal compass to know when he's gone too far. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see him gain that at the end of this series. But initially, there are a lot of signs that he is willing to do anything and throw anyone under the bus to get his get what he believes is his or what he deserves. Um, somewhere down the line, he ends up making a deal with Mallory, the CIA lady, to bring in Kamiko's brother, uh, so that they could clear their records. And even though they, he knows that it's Dude, Kamiko's this man brother, is, this man is making deals against everybody just yeah, for his wife. That's what I'm saying. Like even though he knows it's Kamiko's brother and. Other people have stood up for Kamiko, like Frenchie. M.M. does a great job standing up for almost everybody on this show. Um, but, yeah, he's he's willing to just throw her in. As a matter of fact, he, there's a phone call he has with Mallory, I want to say, where Mallory's like, well, if if that's her brother, how do you know she won't act out? And he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll put her down if that's what it takes. And Frenchie's just right there listening. Right, right. And it's like... Literally just chilling right there. It's like, how many of us are expendable for this war? How many of us are just going to be cannon fodder for you to get what you want? Um, and it just shows you, you know, how bad things get. Well, that is a very toxic trait in um, what's it, in Butcher that they show. And I feel like 
if they didn't kill off his wife, then yeah. we would always constantly get that. They needed to they needed to kill off his wife for that whole to put an end to the who is butcher without his mission thing. Who is butcher looking for his wife? But that's very much a anti-hero thing, right? It doesn't matter. Think of any anti-hero you know. In their minds, it doesn't matter who they lose or what they lose so long as their mission uh, is accomplished, right? They don't care about anything else. They're too, almost too also, cool to care anti-heroes about anything else. Also, a lot of anti seem to lose loved ones. I feel like that's like a... Uh, it's like a cliche at this point. Like, I'm not angry at it. I'm just saying it's, it's starting to turn into a cliche at this point because count how many anti-heroes lost their loved one. Tragedy, who the right? only, What and, tragedy does to people. And the only people. loved one, and the worst part about have, losing that loved one is that was the loved one that kept them literally from destroying the world. Right, and it's almost presented to us in season one that that's, like, Billy's rage was kept in a cage of emotion by Becca. And once Becca is quote unquote dead, uh, and the events of season one unfurl, that's just the the Billy that's been kind of um, growling underneath the entire time. But once he sees Becca, there's almost no need for the monstrous Billy anymore. But he doesn't seem to know where to put that man, right? If that man's yeah. all he's been, how do you, how do you do that? How do you how do you compartmentalize someone that you've forced yourself to be for the last ten years? And I, we've all gone through that, right? We've all gone yep. through trauma, and when then we make changes to our own lives, so as to never be hurt like that again. But eventually, people are going to have to get close. Eventually, we can't use our trauma as crutches and handicaps. Um, and when the, that moment happens, how can, how how do you change? How do you decide? And it, it has to be a decision. It doesn't happen subliminally. You have to choose to stop being the person that you are, and let people in. And I think. That was definitely Billy's problem in the beginning of all this. Um, one of the other moments that is kind of telling is that um, Huey and Starlight reveal the Compound V scandal. Like, they get a thing of Compound yep. V. They get it on the news. Oh, yeah. Everybody goes crazy about it because this is a huge, huge revelation. And Billy can't celebrate. Why? Because his mission is not about Vought, even though he pretended to it to be about Vought. It's about Becca. When all that breaks out, they're like, uh, Billy, look what the kid did. Oh, Petit Huey, look what you did. And Billy's like, yeah, that that's good. And they're like, that's good. We've been, because everybody else's mission has been to take down Voight. And he's pretended. That's their mission, yeah. He's pretended that's his mission as well. But it's not. It's about Becca. Well, he's always pretended that was his mission. Even back when you see the flashback of them getting intel from Lamplighter. Yeah. His mission, because he even brought up Homelander's name then and there. So it's always been a one-man grudge against Homelander. Yeah. And about Becca. Yeah, soup, and the whole thing about soups is, to him, it's like, it's not a specific, it's a specific soup that he wants to kill. And every other soup is just like, it's like the Jameson thing. Yeah, not not to not to get too, um, uh, like, racially charged. But it's the idea that you were robbed by a minority so now in your yes. mind all those minorities are capable of robbing you oh it's the liam neeson of it all 100 percent, you know and and at one point they make it a point in dialogue to call billy butcher a bigot yeah you know um and so how do you feel about she says, that you're not you're that, just a bully and a bigot how do you feel about that the label what? oh hell yeah he is a bigot yeah he's a bigot 
because he has someone like Starlight willing to help. There's there's kids that need help, like Ryan. Right. And that's why Becca didn't even go with him. And Kamiko. Because once once the once the ball dropped, bam, it was he's the kid's a fucking super freak. <laughs> he kind of got kind of. Let, let's talk about that because Mallory um, is able to, even though they can't get the 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 super te- soup terrorist because Stormfront kills him. Um, Mallory's able to give Butcher the address to where Vault is hiding Becca, and so um, he goes. You know, he sneaks in, but she refuses to leave the compound. Because, one, she's raising Homelander's son, with her and Homelander's son, and she's in love with this child. Um, and she's also made a deal that she wouldn't try to kill herself or escape so long as Homelander doesn't kill Butcher. Um, this is also when it's kind of confirmed that Homelander had no idea Ryan even existed until season one. And that Ryan that is... That was the truth he got from Fogelbaum, yeah. Yes, and that it is confirmed that Ryan is the product of rape. Um Butcher and Becca unite at the facility in secret, and they they do sleep together. They have a bunch of touching moments. But when push comes to shove, Becca refuses to leave without Ryan. And when she po- like poises her position to um, Butcher, like you're right, he, he just kind of calls him like a soup freak, like a like a. So who did you side with in that argument? They're on that bridge. Butcher's I, I like with Becca. Yeah. Want to know why? Because What's... if you had the power to, if you had a time machine to go back in time, would you kill Hitler, or would you, you know, give him more him hugs? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Hugs. Because that, like, you know, I'm not here to take a stance, but you know, evil is evil is evil. But a genius mind is a genius mind, no matter where it is. Right. You know, Dahmer Dahmer was uh, was fucking genius. Uh, Bundy was a genius. They were evil, disgusting people that were that they were plagued with evilness, but they had a genius mind. So this kid, she's right. If she leaves, you know, if that kid gets raised by Vaught and Homelander, you just have Homelander 2.0. Yeah. And you know what the worst part of that is? is you're just you're going to have an even more scared Homelander because this is a Homelander that knows he has a mother and a family. And, you know, this is going to be a, a very, very more terrified looking Homelander. Yeah. This that, is... kid, I, like, that kid could have destroyed everybody in that um uh, uh that pizza planet place. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Vaught, Vaught, Vaught planet, planet Vaught. Vaught. Planet Vaught. Planet Vault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could have killed everybody right then and there. Yeah, that's a and that whole conversation with Ryan is the whole nature versus nurture thing, right? Are yes, soups born yes. to kill, or are they taught to kill? Are they taught to be well, I mean, as look, disconnected? Yeah, are they look taught at to Annie, be, right? And Annie got Annie was, goes there eventually, so you know it. It could be an argument for the bigots, right? <laughs> that that's what they yep. all do. That's what they're all meant to do, um, but. It goes to show how quickly we are willing to go into generalities when we talk about people so long as we hate them, right? So long as we hate a certain subset of people, we're willing to make broad assumptions about all of them. And I think that's yeah. definitely what Billy was, what Billy's doing with these soups, including this, this soup child, you know? Um, and Billy is not happy about any of that. He seemingly loses Becca again, right? Yeah, but this time... Like he lost, but like he did it. Like right, you talked about the kid. You talked about not about her kid, man. Her son. You talked yeah. about not about her kid. That's still her kid. I was debating whether or not there was some kind of semblance of Stockholm syndrome, you know. Um, but I do honestly believe that Becca loves Ryan. That's her son. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like, there's no Stockholm syndrome. There, it would be Stockholm syndrome if there was no Ryan in the picture. Yeah, and she was like, "I just need to like, stay here. They're, t- they're treating me right." <laughs> 
They let me but go it's on so smoke crazy breaks. That, that whole conversation with them, that conversation with Becca and Butcher really, really gives a clue of what kind of relationship they truly did have. Because Becca kind of brings up a great point where she's like, I got raped. And, and I couldn't I come, come to you. To you. Yeah, I, I had come to go to, to a fucking company. The company of like, my would, abuser. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like, literally hey, went. Uh, it's like getting raped by the male guy. And then instead of the telling your boyfriend. You go to, yeah. Like, <laughs> my God. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is a, a rage and a, violent, a, a level of violence that we are told kind of was almost given to him genera- generationally by his father. Yeah, um, turned, his father was abusive. Real piece of work. He used to, you know, be abusive to real Billy, piece of work. <laughs> Billy and his brother, um, and uh, his brother Lenny. Billy never forgave him for it. He was also abusive to the mom. Um, so there's even a, a moment where his mom tricks him into meeting up with his dad because she says that his dad is dead, uh, but he's not. Um, and they have not even a heart to heart. They have a conversation, and Billy almost. Strikes, kills his father. <laughs> he, almost, he almost strangled him to death, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, he had him up against the wall, ready to strangle him. And it just shows that this is all he has left in him. If he doesn't have the love of Becca and that life that he was fighting for, he only has this imaginary fight now left. That's the only purpose. He, we were talking about before, about purpose. It was the only purpose he had. His parent, His father laid him down the purpose of being violent. That the world is tough and that... It doesn't. You're you're always gonna catch shit from everywhere, including the people that you love, and you have to learn to be tough with it. And that's all he knows. That's the only purpose he was ever given, and that's why he's the person that he is. Um, Billy uh, is tracked by Black Noir back to his aunt's house, um, but they Black Noir gets called off. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, Becca still thinks the anger and abuse still lives within him, and it was there before Homelander. That's what we were talking about before. Um, after the explosions in the court hearing, Billy decides that the only way to win is through war until Becca shows up on his doorstep telling him that Homelander took Ryan. Um, he makes a promise to get Ryan back safe and sound, breaking the deal he made with Edgar to let him keep Ryan in exchange for Becca. Um, I was very curious as how all this was going to affect Billy because as we were shown, he doesn't really care about Ryan. So the idea that his... Um, wife, ex-wife, whatever you want to call it, would show up on his doorstep bringing up the concern that he didn't care about before. I didn't know how he was going to react. And he does, he, he takes on her fight to save Ryan. They have a kiss in front of the rest of the boys, which was pretty touching. One of, one of my favorite scenes because all it did was transport me back to when we very first meet uh, Mother's Milk and a reignite, reignition with him and uh, Frenchie. Yeah, and then in the middle of the fight, all you hear is the Rick Ashley song, and then he's talking to his wife. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna bring you home some nice, like, a oh, bottle of wine and right. some tilapia." Like, and then they started laughing, and he's like, "Yo, fuck both of you." So, it was pretty funny how the shoe was on the other foot for Butcher, and yet Frenchie still is Frenchie. They know they they know that this was this man has been fighting for, and to have her physically there and have them together it was such a big moment, especially when how the rest of endearing. Them how endearing was it the way they were treating her? It was great. They were pushing things to the side. They were sitting him down. The bucket, well, I, uh, mother's milk's like, I, I always, hope with a lime. Like, I've always assumed that the reason why they did, I mean, obviously they're just good people in general, but this is oh, like, no, they are. but this is like the legend, right? 
This is she's like girl, yeah. This and is and the legend of Becca, like the whole thing is for Becca, and we gotta go save Becca. And I just came back from Becca, and Becca's still alive. And is Becca, this about Becca, 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 man? That was one of the that was one of the first conversations. Mother's milk and fucking butcher hat is like, is this about Becca again, man? I told you this shit, man. Every time it's about Becca, man. I'm like, right. Yeah, that's literally what Butcher has been working for for seven, eight years. Yeah. Becca and in his hideout, ready to go spank some soups that were responsible for what happened to her. That's like, it. This is the culmination of everything that we were waiting for for two seasons, for fucking like 20 episodes. And, and they're season? finally on the same side, right? Because they've, yes. they've been missing, they've been uh, uh, not like changing lanes or whatever you want to call it. They haven't found a way on the same side up until this point. Um, and now everybody was at the same pace. They're at the same, it was one big fight scene. It was, it was it, just everything you knew. It was the Avengers. It was the justice league. It was great. Becca with the boys, <laughs> they're getting ready to fight suits. Like, did you find it weird? I found it a little weird that I felt like Becca went to butcher almost relying on that rage. Right. Like, yeah. Like she yeah. know she knows he can d- get she the knew. job done because he's the kind of guy that he is, and she's hoping that the worst parts of him are helpful in this matter. A bit, am I getting that there wrong? There are a lot of no, no. You're right, and this is something that I was thinking about with A Train. Okay, that I was thinking about myself that I was gonna wait to the cast to bring up okay. is that a lot of things that we do that look on the on, on the surface to be good is really all with selfish intent. Atrian, the whole show has been trying to get Atrian and the deep specifically have been trying to get back into the seven, the whole show right. and everything that they have done to try and prove their self has really not really been anything. It was a, it was a fast, it was a fast pace. It was a quick cut. Yeah. You know, instead of the deep doing actual, you know, um, apology, like actually going to starlight, not in a fucking, not on TV, not into not making it some skeptic um, spectacle. Like if you would have hey, actually gone that's up not and cool. apologized <laughs> in that commercial where he points to the guy sexually harassing the girl, and he's like, "Hey, hey man, that's not cool." <laughs> <laughs> no, but my whole thing is, is it's uh, sometimes things are going to just be selfish, even if they're good, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's just it's just gonna happen. And it's it's not the, the it's not using it's needing, but also relying on that um on your experience of that person right that you know they'll do like if like if I get beat up right now I specifically know I have one specific friend that don't ask no questions he'll get ready for fights right he'll just do it so if that's and so if I was to ever get beat up or have a problem I know just by my experience of that person I could always rely on them. But do you invite it's that person? Do you invite that person to your wedding though, knowing yes, that they can 100%. get in, knowing that they can get into? But that's what I'm saying. You understand? Like it's different levels of comp- compartmentalization. Like yes, um, she knows that he's capable of getting this done, but also knows that his rage is an issue. If she didn't consider that, she wouldn't have made him promise to make sure that Ryan, you know, made it back alive. I feel like if she trusted and him, she wouldn't have made him promise that. And because he promised that, she also made him swear on Lenny, on Lenny's soul. So. Right, Lenny, who you know, we find out it was the um, brother ooh, of his. Oh, little Lenny. <laughs> Lenny, uh, Lenny was the one killed in uh, in service, and is also the one that reminds. I'm assuming it reminds Butcher of. Oh, Huey reminds Butcher of Lenny. 
which was something yep. that they they said oh, they they, they look like. Yeah, those the the ant. Yeah. What does this one remind you of? Yeah, it's like a <laughs> an image of Lenny. So they managed to get Ryan away from Homelander, but Stormfront confronts the couple, and in the scuffle, she uh, she's stabbed by Becca in the eye. Um, enraged, Stormfront grabs Becca by the neck, attempting to kill her by suffocation, but Ryan, in a fit of anger, seemingly roasts her alive with his laser vision, inadvertently giving Becca a fatal injury. I love the whole um, theme of girls get it done here in, oh, this, yeah. in this season of this show, because if you... Because you have Starlight leaking the Vought stuff, doing espionage. She's down with the boys. You got Queen Maeve. He, she, and she's using the Deep to get the the, uh, the black box from that plane that went down in season one. Mm-hmm. So now she's she's got her own blackmail going on. You got Kimiko, who's fucking Kimiko. Just that's, do yeah. I really have to say anything about that beautiful girl? Uh, Sherry does her own black ops like missions, uh, Mallory is the head of the CIA. Uh, Victoria Newman is the soup we see at the end. Um, Cindy Which is, so is out I there, like that. out and yep. about. Yo, wait, I don't that I don't like. I don't like that they just give us this character and like we never see her again. Because they were really making it. They really wanted to uh, subvert the expectations of that AOC lady. Yeah, being a soup. Because right. well, there was almost no get... there was almost no evidence of it, right? So, initially, seeing Cindy blow people up was the only uh, illusion we had to somebody having those kind of abilities in the show. Yeah, so that's they they, they red herring us with Cindy, and yeah, was it a successful red herring? Yes, because I feel like that's going to be something that comes up in season three. Yeah. yeah, that has already been confirmed. Yeah, she'll be she'll be back. So I can't I can't wait. Yeah, they already confirmed that shit. This is the sickening no moment because, like, there's a lot of emotion in this in this final episode, and we'll, where we'll hit the final episode at multiple different points with different characters. But as far as Butcher and uh, Becca and Ryan is concerned, um, we have this moment where Becca's starting to die, and she begs Butcher not to blame her death on Ryan. Um, Ooh, okay, because you might be able to help me out here. Yeah, is it? Tell me that's not from a movie or a TV show. I just can't fuck right. I don't know why I could not. Don't blame him. Don't blame him. Yes, like there's still good in him. Like someone dying uh, at the hands of someone that was. Well, I feel like the. Was, I feel like the. There's. I feel like there was a bit of that in Captain America. No, wasn't there a bit of like there's still good in you. I'm. <laughs> I'm dying, kind of stuff. But you're right. It feels like it. It did come from something. I, I just. I just could have sworn I've specifically seen a character who is like all movie teetering the line of good and evil and all it takes is that one push or that one pull right. to bring them in or, or throw them away and somebody died at the hands of that person and, and that person was still saw the good in them they still wouldn't blame them like there was yeah. something i right. know in my heart of hearts there was a moment where someone was dying at the hands of this anti-hero heroish character and they were just trying to tell that other person but there's still good in them like they're not bad don't do it they're like don't Killed them. They're still good in them. Like I just can't remember. Yeah, if you guys know, if you guys know, I, if you guys know out there, hit us up. We'd love to know. Oh, please don't be shy. Please, I beg yeah, you. Yeah, it's gonna be. Um, it's gonna be one of those brain on worms. I don't care. It's gonna yeah, be one of those was, brain worms that sticks. It's been in your killing head. me since Friday. What did you think of the look Butcher gives Ryan after Becca dies? Son, dude, did his eyes go all black? I don't know. He he went yo, to a he went to a place. Yo, I there was there was moments in this show. Where I was legit 
scared. And right. that was a moment where I was legit scared. Like at one moment, you see his, his face is sad. He's crying. Once the light in her eyes goes, bam. You all yeah. of a sudden, it's this above shot. His eyes are like completely bloody and red and black. He's They, they, they go to grab the fucking uh, crowbar. Yeah, he, he it looked like he was going to cause some harm or he was considering even hurting Ryan. Uh, but he quickly changes his mind when Homelander arrives. Um, and we'll talk about what happens when Homelander I feel like he Homelander changed his there. mind. Oh, oh, God. You know what? You want to bring up Homelander? Because this is a man that I think really stole season two. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to finish off with the with the rest of the boys. And then I think – because I think the Butcher-Becca-Ryan story is definitely one side of it. But then the other side of it is the Homelander-Stormfront story. Um, so – we did one main event with Butcher because after the events of of what happens, Butcher ends up entrusting Mallory and the CIA with Ryan. He gives them a bit of a he gives him like a charm, um, and tells him not to be a cunt. And then... I think a Saint, a Saint Anthony pendant or a, yeah, a Saint Donovan pendant or some shit like that, which Wait. is kind of beautiful because Mallory gets a gets a grand a do over with a grandkid. Yeah, yeah, and um, I guess Billy assumes that the child will not be safe with him anymore. So he's putting him under protection, protective care of the CIA, and we'll see what ends up coming out about that. We gotta I talk. I think it's honestly smarter. Yeah, and he he he's not right right now, right? He's, no, like, he's no, not, Eddie. he's not okay right now. That uh, that whole shot of him walking away, putting the sunglasses on with the Beach Boys, God only knows, playing yeah. like you could just tell this is a man that lost. Everything and even you again, get the, the, the he scene lost it beforehand, again, right? Because he, lo- yeah. he thought he lost. No, it he legit this last time, time lost her, lost her. No, he always knew she was alive. It wasn't about he lost her. It was just about getting her back. Here, she he lost her. Yeah, she's gone and never coming back. Yeah, he knows at it the this hands time. of somebody at the hands of something he hates the most in this world. Superpowers. Yeah, it's it, it's tragic. It's poetic, and it's simply I cannot call it beautiful because I think it's unfair. I was definitely trying. I said the same thing. Yeah. I said the same thing with Deadpool two. I said the same thing with Deadpool two when they wouldn't even let him stay with fucking Vanessa in Purgatory in the whatever. Yeah, yeah. In heaven, like they wouldn't even let. Like I just, I thought it was so sad. Like <laughs> it, it's one thing when it's the Punisher whose origin story legit depends on the loss of his family. This right. is. I feel like we didn't need. You, there's certain times I feel like you don't need to lose a character. Yeah. But they just, I don't know, I guess that's life. You lose people. Yeah, even when you think that's, you have them. Even think, when you think you have them the closest. Um, even when you think the whole the whole thing is done, the, we're, we're over with. We, we won. We won. We won. Yeah, nope, we, won. Yeah. we didn't win. Nope. Because even when they won, everybody still lost. That's another big thing about this show. Even when everybody, even when the good guys won, the good guys lost. You have to lose something to win sometimes. We, we got to talk about the second wind. We got to talk about mm. Huey and Starlight reconciling. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Huey, Jack Quaid, returning as Hugh Huey Campbell, a civilian member of the boys who joins the group after his girlfriend Robin is killed by A-Train. We find out that Huey's mom left him when he was six years old, and that has caused a lot of his clinging nature, is what they call it. Um, he It's so crazy, man, that we just, we always talk about this, uh, who is a that you don't know who a person is until you know their backstory until you know how they grew up what yeah. they were how they were raised yeah 
And so this whole time you're just like, but why is Huey here? Like, 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 yeah, I get that he's on the run and everything, but like, you know, he could have done many of ways to just never come back and leave. To just, right. And he had very a lot of right to just leave. He lost his own, not lost, but he lost a relationship that he didn't really have with his father over his clinginess to the people that he feels depends on him. And it comes from, stems from his mother. Yeah, and A-Train, unless he was trying to do like a one-for-one, one, I don't think he was trying to kill A-Train. A-Train's off the seven. So... No, he was. it was never know? about killing A-Train because they even saved his life. Right, so it's like... He, he even said no... it. I saved your life, asshole. <laughs> right. There's no... Um... There's no real end because there's no real mission for Huey. We find out basically because he looks inside of himself and he always blamed his mom for giving up and leaving when he was six. Giving up and leaving when things got rough. So he has always stood around, even probably more than he should in situations uh, that he's in because he feels like leaving would be quitting. So that's why he stood with the boys as long as he did. That's why he stood with Starlight as long as he did. He refused that's why he to stood on Robin quit. even though she was dead. Yeah. When 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 Starlight was showing that she really liked him, he was still being plagued by visions of Robin. And he even said it to Butcher this season. Where it's like, come on, man. Your your girl is alive. My girl is dead. If anybody has a right to kill herself, it's me. And don't think I haven't thought about it. Like right. he his whole obsession to not be like his mother and to have that clean nature prevented him from even killing himself. And he will be put in he'll put himself in toxic situations so as to not be the quitter. Mm-hmm. And that's not good either. <laughs> like that's not great. Like that's not. There's nothing holy about that. There's nothing, you know. Oh no! It was the conversation that we had. Our uh, one of our personal conversations where martyrism is egotistical. Yeah. Because yeah. martyrs keep score. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And that people might forget, but um, at the end of the last season, Starlight and Huey, although they both lived, they weren't really on the best of terms because all of the lying that Huey had did about what he did to get close to Starlight and the Seven, get back at the Seven, and A-Train had been revealed. She realized that she had been used, so we start this season off with them on the outs. And even though they meet to exchange info and stuff, they're cordial, but they're not romantic. Not in the beginning. And part of yeah, that has to do with the look fact... At him. Yeah, part of that has to do with the fact that uh, Starlight's kind of... Uh, going kind of crazy, <laughs> I guess, a little bit. On a whim... He was going... She was going crazy since season one, though. So everything yeah. that pe- yeah. everything that the soups were going through when when they leaked the 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 shit on Vought compound V is yeah. what she went through when she found that shit out. Yeah. Yep. Because she asked her mom, and her mom was like, "Yeah, they paid us a hefty sum of money to inject you with some shit." Yep. So she went. She already went through what everybody is going through now. Like she, she's. She's like, been there, done that. What are you, Black Noir, what are you, crying over there? Yeah. Fucking pussy. Yeah. I already yeah. went through this. Like, Right. Yo, Black Noir was crying in this show. Yeah. They, <laughs> they, made, they, they did a lot with Black my boy. They, they, they broke my boy. <laughs> um, I can't believe it. On a whim, uh, Huey decides to leave Starlight a voicemail, re-declaring his love for her, talking about how she's the second wind and all that stuff. Um, and after a close call with his life, where Homeland is trying to get her to kill him, um, they meet up at a park and she confesses that she can't be a superhero anymore. Like she's over this whole thing. And we'll get more into uh, Annie's mindset in a bit on a mission. They sing, we didn't start the fire and they eventually sleep with each other. Although 
On the next day, Annie says they can't be together because they can't afford to feel safe. Um, even when he was seriously injured. Which is true. Yeah, it, it is. But she was also being a bit pessimistic because she's over everything. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't I don't know if I could fully agree with you on that one. Only for specifically here is comfortability is not good. You know what? You, they have they cannot afford to feel safe in these kind of times. If there was any other circumstance, then yeah, sure. You know, maybe she is being a little bit pessimistic, like, oh, you know, if we're together, you know, you'll always be be a target for my enemies. Like, what stupid shit that they do in um Spider Man and right, stuff. Right, right, right. Like, as long as as long as you're with me, my enemies will always know how to get to me. Well, then don't be getting caught in your suit swinging around Manhattan mm-hmm. with Mary Jane. And maybe Rhino won't say, hmm, I wonder if Darth Spider-Man likes that girl. <laughs> but another like, thing is that she um, she talks about how her life currently just revolves around being in the seven and waiting for Homeland to kill her. Right? So, like, that's her day-to-day. That's her nine-to-five. And then Oh, she... no. If, if I was afraid of constantly going to work, if I was afraid to go to work because of this thought that my coworker is going to kill me at any moment, I'm quitting. Right. I'm quitting. There's no – there is no – Way in hell, I'm gonna go somewhere every day that I'm afraid of. Right, but she has Something's to keep up these get. appearances because she's on the seven, and she seemingly quote unquote hasn't done anything wrong to fear Homelander, right? Yeah, but she even put on a great poker face in that elevator sequence, which I think is, I think is further proof of her dis- descendant, <laughs> or you know, her fall from grace. Um, so. Even when he's seriously injured in a car wreck, uh, even though he was seriously injured in a car wreck, Huey manages to use Lamplighter's help to rescue Annie from the Seven Tower. He looks inside. Oh, I already did all that. Um, at the end of the, of the series, he explains how much he needs to be alone for a while because of his clingy nature. And Annie takes that as a breakup, but he explains that he means like with butcher <laughs> no no, no. You got, well, god i'm not crazy what i'm still gonna cling to you <laughs> yeah he's like with, oh, with butcher and, and the two kiss and, and it's sweet what do you think about huey in this in this season here oh le petit huey le petit huey really grew he and not grew as all right how do i because really he was growing since that first episode yeah, he loses. He, he, you see this guy that gets walked all over by his boss. He gets walked all over by his girlfriend. He gets walked all over by his father, and even by lawyers, by corporate. Like everybody is walking all over this man. Even Butcher is using him just for his tech smarts. Yeah, but he, he, but ever since he killed um, Translucent, ever since he got his hands dirty, he's been constantly just growing and growing i don't want to say shaping into something shaping into because it's not that at all he literally is growing like yeah, he's he stands standing up, to up for himself at one point you know he punched butcher oh yeah you're he right he straight up <laughs> punched butcher and he's and he didn't just punch me and my girlfriend this dude here we took out two seasons of frustrations on butcher yeah yeah and started going crazy punched him once and then just started fucking Doing the whole, I'm afraid to kind of hit you, but I need to get this out. So he does the whole, like, the forearm hits. We also find out that that's where the Billy Joe comes from. The dance parties with his mom when he was six. Oh, yeah. We didn't even bring that up with the conversation with his mom. Yes. That's where Billy, because she's, because I, I remember um, Starlight was like, so uh, we, I, we, I just got to ask. You're not 50. Which so, makes a lot of sense. You know, like with the Billy Joel. There's a lot of, like, you know, like with Guardians, you know, there's an in-universe reason as to why he's listening to the classics. So that's the oh, only it's, music it's he the has. Last, 
it's literally the that was his mother's uh, Walkman and her mixtape. It was the Meredith Quill mixtape. Right. Because even Gunn said it. It was, it was called it, the. I know it was Awesome Mix Volume One, but it was a Meredith Quill's personal playlist. Hmm. So yeah, like music and that, what I will straight up say that that's why I listen to the music I listen to. And I even thanked my mother yesterday because me and my mother yesterday were were singing ABBA. She was doing dishes and I was I was just listening to ABBA and we were singing. And I just straight up said, I was like, you know, if there's one thing that I will say that I'm eternally grateful for having you and dad as parents is my music taste. Because that's all my parents listen to is Sticks and Led Zeppelin and, and uh, Van Halen and, you know, this and this and that. Yeah. All the it classics, probably also all reminds him to, to, to stick with it. <laughs> Like he seems to listen to a lot of it when he's um, like considering what to do next, and it, that you're it right. probably reminds him to stick with to it. Fi- because I I don't know if you like do you uh, click to the side to see the little trivia's, uh, the X-ray on the episode sometimes. All right, so in the opening episode of that where he's like on the boat and he's listening to. Uh, my second window. You're my second wind by Billy Joel. Right. It says, uh, "Fun fact: That's actually character Huey Campbell's favorite Billy Joel song." Okay. That's so. It it, it just makes sense. Like if I didn't read that, I, I wouldn't. I if, to me it wouldn't be more powerful to when he leaves that voicemail to Annie calling her his second wind and right. listening to that song specifically. Mm-mm-mm. Because the episode starts on the music video. It's like the actual Billy Joel music video. And right. then you see he's watching it on like YouTube with his headphones. And so there yeah. was a point that they, they could have played any Billy Joel song. They had We Didn't Start the Fire in the freaking trailer. The, the show ends with, um, oh, what's the song? Damn it. What's that damn oh, song uh, by Billy yeah. Joel? Does it end with that? Oh, is it, it only the Billy Joel Young? Isn't that... Yes, only the good die young. Right. It's only the good die young. Yeah. So there's a lot of Billy Joel, like, in, like Billy Joel is a very recur- reoccurring theme in this show, and I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and like you said, there is something there where he's considering, every time he considers jumping or, or leaving, whatever, a Billy Joel song is being played. Yeah. Or Billy Joel is being brought up in some sort of way. 100%. And so we Because have... it's so crazy. Like, in season one, in episode one of the entire series him and his girlfriend are talking about him moving out of his father's place and who's being brought up billy joel that's the last word he says to her that buddy joel doesn't suck or something he's like don't besmirch don't don't ever besmirch billy joel yeah that was his last words to her because her her, his her last words to him was uh, i keep i keep looking up at that weird billy joel poster Right. Or something like she was. She was making fun of a Billy Joel poster. He was saying, "Don't besmirch Billy Joel." Damn, she dies. And the whole conversation was about him moving out of his father's place. God damn it! You are you're onto something. When you're fucking on, and you do this yeah. to me, that the <laughs> mental gymnastics that I go through, it's like it's a lot. <laughs> this is this is why this is my top three favorite comic book shows. Let's this talk- Umbrella Academy and Doom Patrol. There is so much there. Themes about family trauma. Being who you are, self awareness. Yeah, like things that we need as and adults. The musical you know? choices. I'm just glad Even that our artwork is doing. Is it, I'm just glad that the art that is being depicted now is trying to, uh, you know, give us those those morals and those values. 
And you know what's so crazy? This is probably one of the most diverse casts I've seen. Yeah. Of the of all of the the boys and of the seven of the the meet the side characters and reoccurring characters, there's a lot of LGBT characters, a lot of minority characters, a lot of people of color, illegal immigrants, not just immigrants, illegal immigrants, people coming in through trafficking, Vietnamese, like it's the even the boys themselves. There's what two white men. The writers. No, I'm talking about the the boys. Like oh, on the whole team, yeah. yeah, like I'm looking at the whole. I mean, I'm Huey's look, the looking. only American beside, you know, the only white American. Yeah. So yeah, even the other white guy is from uh, another country, you know. Yeah, and even Frenchie is still a little. He's Frenchie is not white skinned at all. Even no, Frenchie's no, no. very tan. Right. He's very tan. Like you could see him when you when you see him in the light. He has like a, like a, a tan to him. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's perfect. Like this whole show is just it's it's perfect. <laughs> so what else do we, do we have on this? Let's this talk list? about. There's so much stuff I want to talk about. Let's talk about uh, Starlight seemingly becoming more and more cynical, like we were talking about earlier. Um, like I said, she forces an old friend to steal compound V, or she's gonna blackmail him. She tells him God doesn't exist, and that's all lies. She gets the V and manages to get both A Train and Stormfront to stay quiet, or she'll blackmail both of them. A Train with Popclaw and Stormfront with Liberty. Um, her mom is constantly trying to reconcile with her about the whole compound v revelation and she has no desire to fix any of that um and even on a mission with butcher and the boys she she says like how she's so sick about how much she's changed and how dirty her hands have become and she almost even seems insulted that butcher is impressed with her skills like that was her she was like ugh, you know because she doesn't want to be like him you know oh yeah no she she made a she, she made a whole comment to that she's like don't do that yeah. And he's just staring at her in silence. She's like, don't do that. Don't give me that fucking look of approval or, or good job or whatever look you're trying to give me. I'm just like, girl, like, you're the one that's getting upset that he's like, I, I get it. I get it. We just you just killed a guy who then they gave you the shot where he's a family man. And, you know, I, I, I understand. But, you know, this whole time, all you've been talking about is Butcher not liking you and want Butcher to like you. Now at the moment where he looks at you like, damn, all right, good job, girl. You're getting pissed off at him. You, you got to like, you know. I think she realized what, what what it would take to get that approval. And she doesn't want to be that person. <laughs> and, she didn't want, and she didn't want that. Right. It's yeah. so crazy because Huey saw who he needed to be to get that approval. And he did it. Right. And he became it. But that's and because it, he's willing to stay. Leg of it. But that's because he's willing to stay wherever, right? Because he doesn't want to run away. Not, yeah. she doesn't, and she doesn't have that whole. Of the the whole situation with her mother, so like she doesn't have, she isn't going through what Hugh went through. So there's no reason in her head mentally that she would have to stay. And also, you know, she's done so much to try to be what other people thinks that she should be, regardless. Yeah, like with, she, with the whole thing with being a soup, um, trying to live up to her mother's, you know, ideas, trying to live up to Huey's ideas. And I think once she realizes that she might be living up to Butcher's, she's like, you know what? I'm over all of this. I'm over everyone trying to teach me how I'm supposed to be. And what I'm supposed to be in this life. And, you know, even during that, that botched carjacking, I'm almost certain she kills a man. <laughs> if he's not dead, then she at least left him for dead. Uh, nah, she, you know. she, there was, there was blood. Yeah. You hear, and I don't know, I, I think, I'm not mistaken, I could have sworn I heard a uh, bone crack or neck crack in the captions. I watch the captions. Something crack. Something yeah. crack, because you can hear that crack. There was definitely a puddle of blood over that head. And then just, and even so, he was still left for dead. Yeah. Yeah. 
So she, you know, that's not the old Starlight. <laughs> um, even after she's outed as as a traitor, she's locked away in the tower and rescued by Huey, who she introduces who she introduces to her mom. Um, she spends the rest of the show on the run with the boys until after they deal with Stormfront and is welcomed back into the Seven at the end. She's even seen wearing you her first a... suit yep. at, the yes, end of, at the end of it. Yeah, which I'm assuming was part of the deal <laughs> to come back. Uh, and here, her, and, her and Huey, like we just said, agree to continue seeing one another. Uh, one of the things that she says that I guess is the uh, cap off to her her arc is that um, although she doesn't know if she could survive being in the tower with the seven, she can't leave the seven and let the quote unquote assholes steer. Um, so she's hoping to provide change from the inside by being there, which I guess that, is also one of the lessons awesome. in life is like, just because there's negative out there in the world doesn't mean you have to add to it. <laughs> and just because you're a oh, no. little bit of the good, that's 100%. you know, just maintain that little bit and maybe that's all we need. How many great people throughout history, not just movies and TV, how many great people in real life throughout history have helped a system by fighting it from the inside, by playing yeah. ball, getting dirty with, with who they got to get dirty with, and then changing? Uh, 100%, yeah. And that's what she was doing a bit. You know, she blackmails like four people in the show. <laughs> she stands up to Homelander when Homelander accuses her of being a traitor. You know, she lies the best way she can in that moment. And it's so crazy because this was before that scene with the carjacking, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's so crazy because she's she tells Homelander, if you're going to kill me because I won't outright murder someone like you, well, then just do it. And then right. like two episodes later, bam, carjacking gone wrong. And how close how close does that make her to Homelander right in that moment? She got to be thinking all that stuff. That's Once why she that didn't want that approval from Butcher. Yeah. Because, you know, she, she, cause she specifically said, stated she saw Butcher and Homelander as opposite sides of the same coin. Yes. They're just the same people. One, one's a bigot with powers that hates humans. One's a bigot with no powers that hates soups. Like they're both the same murdering rampage. I have a mission. I'll do anything. This and this and that. Yeah, she's not used to, to her, all like, that rage. And she's not used to all that. Just, she's a good Christian girl. Just she, blatantly violent, blatantly vengeance uh, Let filled. me ask you a question, George. Do, what, what do you think the crime rate in Iowa is. Is that where she's from? I know she's from some yeah. small town. Yeah. She's from Iowa. Yeah. Caped for Christ. What, <laughs> what freaking, what crime rate is there in Iowa? And even if there is a crime rate, what's the crime? Right. Uh, Speeding? I don't know. There's, a lot, of, there's a lot of crimes tickets? in Fargo, Mississippi, or Missouri, right? What is it? North Dakota? Oh, oh no. Fargo's in, Fargo's in North Dakota. North yeah. Dakota. North Dakota. Oh, yeah. Don't you know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Marvin, Mar- Mother's Milk. Which, oh what's your, what do you think? Do you think we'll get the allusion to why he's called Mother's Milk in season three? Because nah. we've, nah. we've gone this far without it. Nah. If they haven't done it yet, they're not going to do it now. Because even Huey had and got injected with Compound V for a couple, well, like a couple of issues. So unless we're give, unless they give Huey Compound V, I don't see them having Mother's Milk be revealed as a soup. Right. Because well, that's the only reason why his nickname was Mother's Milk, because he got compound V through breast milk. Yeah, because she was working at the vault thing, and there were some side effects. Um, so Laz Alonzo plays Martin T. Mar- Mother's Milk, uh, a member of the boys responsible for organizing and planning their operations. He's a for- formerly a medic with the uh, U.S. Marine Corps, and he's motivated by his father working himself to death while attempting to bring vault down. Mother's Milk has his kids being watched by the CIA. 
Um, and we learn about his father and his mission, which M.M. calls a sickness. You know, his father went through great lengths to try to take Vought down and seemingly was killed because of it. And he confesses that he feels the same compulsion to do that, but he needs to do it and end it because he fears passing that down to his children, which I think is a bit of a bit of commentary on the whole butcher of it all. Right. Like if I don't end these issues with me, then I'm going to pass it down to my kids. Well, um, that's why Butcher didn't want to leave with Becca and Ryan. Yeah. Because he said it straight up. I'll ruin the kid. Right. I will. I know you want want to raise him as a family, but th- look at me. This isn't realistic. I'm going to pass my shit down to this kid. Yeah. So just leave and just, just forget about me because – and it's sad because there's a lot of people that are like that. Bojack was like that. That was one of Rick's fears. But he never – Mother's Milk never gave out hope that he would not come – like return to his family. Uh, he put a lot of that on the line in season one and seemingly from here, that's all he, he's hell bent on clearing their names so he can return back to his loved ones. He's the only member of the boys with a whole family. Yeah. He's got a wife and two daughters or one daughter, right? Yeah. I, I think it was two daughters. I could have sworn it was two daughters. Just one was like, two. bit like kid, like, like, you know, like toddler. Um, the series actually ends with him being reunited with his children. So that's, that's pretty damn good. That was, that was so sad. And, it's I can't watch that scene now because there's, you know me. I like my reactions, so there's a couple that I watch that re- that reacted to the final episode, and the the woman cries at like almost anything family emotional wise. Oh. Right? She has two daughters of her own, so right. like, so like she'll just cry. So like the, that scene where um, what's it called? Where Mother Smoke's being reunited with his daughter, she just starts losing it, and then I started crying. I'm like, damn, that's you're right. Mm-hmm. That is kind of sad because he's been. He's been wanting this since like episode two. Yeah. From when we first meet the guy. Yeah. Who says he won't get himself wrapped up in all this and it ends up doing so. And um, at the end of the season one, he gets all his family into a safe house with CIA and seemingly doesn't see them until now. I mean, there's a moment where in season one, um, the Rainer who dies, she um, like is giving him an update on his family. Like his daughter just started. I don't know, the clarinet soccer. or something. Or soccer. Yeah, it was soccer. Yeah, it was soccer. Her, your daughter just started, just joined the soccer team. And, that, and then he started crying. Yeah, so he's and living by updates. the lady was crying to that too. So I cried. It's like, <laughs> he, he's living by updates Anything about Mother's Milk is like, beautiful. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's get to another couple, Frenchie and Kamiko. Let's talk about all this. Okay, Fren- Fren- Frenchie is... Frenchie's a ballsy man. He got fleshed out of this season. He wasn't, he wasn't that much of a character last season. I mean, he was there. And it was funny. But they weren't really getting into his backstory. No, I felt like like what like uh, some of these characters were like they were sticking to the real feel of who they were in the book. Yeah, like a lot of these characters were just that they were just you know characters. There was no real personality to them. Yeah. So you know, Kamiko didn't Kamiko didn't have anything. She was just the one that they didn't spoke and killed. You know, Fren- Frenchie was the druggy guy that. Always talked about stories of his father smothering him with Hello Kitty duvets. Like there was right. no really, uh, th- I felt like a lot of what happened last season was they did they watched they were trying to get where they were going, but they but it wasn't going to be there yet in season one. Yeah, everywhere they wanted to go in season one is where we are now in season two. And in many ways, you know, when you do these kind of groups where they have to assemble a team, the people are, end up kind of being caricatures, right? It's like, oh, this guy's the good one who's good at math, and this guy is the one who, 
you know, can make bombs and stuff like that. And I think in season one, they and were Kevin is just stupider and stupider as the seasons go until all of a sudden Kevin is an accounting who can only count in pies. <laughs> right. That, that Jesus happens. Christ. That happens as Sorry, well. I just got I, that, that always what they did, what they did to poor Kevin just will never, I'll, ne- I'll never forgive the office for what they did to Kevin. Right. Um, so Frenchie's, uh, uh, Tomer Capone plays Serge, aka Frenchie, a member of the boys and, and an international arms trafficker skilled in munitions, ordnance, uh, infiltration and communications after being coerced into joining to protect, uh, to join the boys to protect his criminal friends. He seeks redemption for his past crimes while battling Vought. And it is revealed that during a mission where he was to track Lamplighter, he abandoned his post to help his friend who was ODing on drugs. This chain of events led to the death of his boss's grandchildren in a failed assassination attempt on Mallory. Frenchie has never forgiven himself for not being able to stop Lamplighter. Uh, Jordana LaJoye plays Sherry, uh, Frenchie's criminal associate and a weapon specialist who tells Frenchie that he is trying to use Kimiko as redemption, hoping that if he can save her... He can save his own soul. How'd you feel about that whole Frenchie arc? Oh, man. Okay. That whole scene where even Mother's Milk said, bro, if you would have just told us the truth, we would have forgiven. We, you know, we all would have legit forgiven you. Yeah. And he says, "Who? But what makes you think that I wanted to be forgiven or something like that, right? Yeah. But you know what? That even I can still not forgive myself while simultaneously allowing people to forgive me. Because if I don't feel like I've forgiven myself, it doesn't matter who forgives me. I'm still going to beat myself up about it. But the thing is, if other people started treating you like nothing happened, I think that would upset you. That is true, too. So that's what the whole thing like, was. Guys, he I wants did to, something, guys. Like, he I, wants I, to be blamed for the deaths of, of Mallory's grandchildren because he believes he is to be blamed for the death of Mallory's in a, grandchildren. In a, in, a, in a way, he is. I mean, it's Lamplighter. He... Lamplighter is the one who killed them, right? That That's no, ultimately yes, whose but... head it, it all sits on. Because he was supposed yeah, to kill he, Mallory he and he a, accidentally he killed He had a mission. Kids. Yeah, but he his mission was mission. to kill Mallory, not kill children. No, I'm saying Frenchie had a mission. Oh, Frenchie oh, left yes, his yes, post. Yes, yes. If you, you, you're, you're a man that served two tours. What would happen to leave if you your left post. your post? And, and what happens if you leave your post and, you, and just to take a piss? You left your post and just to take a piss and told nobody. And then yeah. bam. Charlie comes in and slaughters your whole platoon. Well, that's the worst part about it is that he can't, like, it ultimately can be that he left to go take a piss because no one knows why he left. For all of those, yeah. Yeah, he yeah no one know, no one knew, so it might they as well have been for a piss or to stop at a store or something. He, he allowed people to, to start now painting all of these scenarios in yeah. his head just by their assumptions of who Frenchie is. Yeah. Because oh, Mother's Milk even states in, like, season one, that he was that he figured he was off like getting high or too and high he, to and he dropped the ball and he dropped the ball with the whole thing mm-hmm. he'll drop it again the only one that seemingly you know cares or whatever about him is is Kamiko uh Karen Fukuhara the female she she's is gay. okay she is she <laughs> is just the part she's she's literally an angel oh, I also wanted to say that I heard through international fans that Frenchie's French is not great just when he says, <laughs> just want to state that. Okay. in general, in general, because you know he speaks a lot of French throughout the show. That's I don't think of, the actor is French. Okay, as somebody and... that is teaching himself French on Duolingo, it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, French, it's so... obviously um, usable, or else they wouldn't be doing it. But supposedly, you know, to I mean, somebody is who is French, French, I don't think so. Or else he wouldn't uh, be. Yeah, 
So, like, I think that um, I just want to say that for our international fans, if in case they were feeling angry towards it, because I I was seeing a lot of that. People asking other people uh, how Frenchie's doing, and supposedly it's not great, hundred percent great. But it's hard. I I can't do it. So it is what it yeah, is. I'm te- I'm trying to teach myself French, and it's pretty hard. So if he can, if he can speak a couple of words in French pretty good, then you know, let him do him. Yeah. Besides, so, it's called acting, anyways. Acting. That's what people don't have to un- understand. It like it's called acting. Acting. Um. So Kamiko is the mute member of the boys with enhanced strength and regenerative healing. She was involuntarily injected with Compound B as part of a scheme to create superpowered terrorists. But she joins the boys uh, after they rescue her. Once the soup terrorist who snuck in on a boat is identified as her brother, Kimiko goes to great lengths to reunite and save him, but he's killed by Stormfront. Her inability... I don't think it's important to note, sorry, real quick, ahead, to you off. I think it's important to know why she's mute. Yeah, I was going to Because her yeah. and her brother, what, I think it was like an internment camp? Yeah. They were like born in, basically? They were killed, no, her parents were killed in front of her. Um, that, that trauma is what, is why she doesn't speak. She spoke before then. Um, and it, it's and discovered you can see that... towards the ending of, of the season, uh, she was like, she was saying words, like she wasn't saying words. She was like, um, like she laughed. Saying, like, <laughs> so that's a, that's a benefit. It was when she was, um, talking to Frenchie and she was saying how she was, what if she sees, um, what's his face again? And, uh, Stormfront again. And what if she freezes up? You can hear like her, like the expression of the oomphs and grunts. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's, she, she's real. she does that. And it's, I love when she's like, she's. Like she like really signs like like anger. The way she signs anger, yeah, is it it it's it's a testament to that woman's acting. Yeah, you have to try to get emotion out of this character, even though she doesn't speak. And I know I guess that's got to be hard, but um, the, the writers and Karen herself have done a great job of getting that character over. And she has a, a slew of even funny moments, which you would oh, think that would be bossy. hard. That that bossy uh, brass knuckles that she yeah. bought, <laughs> yeah, where she just huffs on it and rubs it on her yeah. freaking her bossy shirt. ring. Oh my she, god, that, she loves it. That, that was when I knew I fell in love with her. When uh, he's like, "Is that what you bought with your blood money?" And she just goes <laughs> and just wipes it on her freaking shirt. I'm like, "Oh god, what? Who are you?" She seemingly, you know, um, got her got her. Uh, a semblance of her old life back when her brother shows up and then he gets killed by Stormfront. So she's just like upset and she can't really communicate this grief and anger to Frenchie, which causes like a bit of a, um, a riff. And she even tries to go so far as to attack her, but Frenchie stops her. And in her anger, she agrees, well, you know what, if I can't do that, then I'm just going to, uh, like kill Bad people. So Sherry sets rip her up. Someone's face off. Yeah, Sherry rips someone's fucking face off. Sherry sets her up to go kill the Albanian mafia and pays her off. Frenchie finds out about it and and like like basically you know gets in her face and calls her a monster. Uh, and you know they curse each other out. Um, it's it's really heartbreaking. They eventually end up reconciling on mission, especially when they were at Sage Grove. Uh, they they started to reconcile and. Frenchie because shows, that whole, because of what he was saying, his whole backstory of like what he did and the whole lamplighter thing, she and he also like kind of let her go. Like he also kind of like stopped being on her case about everything, you know. Like he was really, you know, in a Huey way, kind of clingy to her to get his redemption. And I think, yes, true, I think he allowed her to come to her own conclusions about him. Uh, 
by giving her space. And I think that she ended up doing so. Um, and you can see Frenchie's going to great lengths by trying to learn sign language, trying to learn a way to communicate with her. Yeah, that was a heartbreaking moment. He walks away from her like she's like signing to him what her problem is. And she's really and communicating. Like, he has no idea what the hell she's talking about. Yeah, and, and like she's actually like saying what's, what, what she's feeling. And he's like, I don't know because you won't teach me. Right, right. She's I'm like, God damn. Uh, and then he was started learning little by little. Like a, the, the, by the last episode, you see him actually learning sign language and it was like perfect i was like damn like they're actually being able to have a conversation yeah like it was just it was great oh uh, their relationship is is perfect yeah they seem to uh head off with each other at the end of that at the end of the show yep because she even she says uh where are we going he says dancing he signs dancing yeah. and they dance and they go off and dance it's to be, be yeah because she asked him honest. if she asked him if he if he dances and he goes yeah what's life without dancing uh what is life without dancing? I dance. Line. I dance every. I dance every day, even even if it's for two seconds. Like it's a good line. Just a little hop and a skip, and just you know, move your shoulders a bit. <laughs> throw on music. Like if everybody listens to music, yeah. everybody. And yeah. there is not one person in this world. Music is literally like a periodic element for humanity. Right. Everywhere you go, there's music. You're in an elevator. There's music. You're watching a movie, and even if it's not a pop culture song, there's a score. You know, everybody listens to music every day. When you go to work, what do you do? You listen to music. Yeah, it's a touchstone. You for come everybody. home, you roll. Yeah, you come home, you unwind, you eat, you you, you play music. Like, like that's just what it is. Music is literally an element for life. Yeah. Without yeah. music, what what would any any of us be? Music is as old as society itself. That's why Billy Joel is so much Billy Joel in this. <laughs> oh, man, don't ever besmirch Billy Joel. <laughs> Let's finish off with the last of the good guys. Uh, Layla Robbins plays Colonel Grace Mallory, uh, the former deputy director of CIA and informal, informal founder of The Boys. Um, her big. I'm arc, so glad she got more in this season. Her big arc comes when um, we are introduced to Sean Asmore as Lamplighter a former member of the Seven with pyrokinesis who murdered Mallory's grandchildren by accident and is removed uh, from the Seven and forced to work at Sage Grove, a hospital testing Compound V on adults. Um, it's Lamplighter's guilt that allows him to apologize for the murder and he attempts to help the boys as a witness in the Compound V trial. Mallory has an opportunity to kill him, but she doesn't take it. Why don't you think she killed him? I think she mentions it, but what do you oh, think was because, going ahead? Because... They kill and they. He's a he's a witness. He's a key witness. Yeah, it's also At not going to bring Mallory, the kids back. Mallory, Mallory isn't one of the boys. She just off the books, um, covers them. She's like she's like um uh, Nick Fury in a sense. Yeah. If the Avengers were illegal. Yes. Like if the Avengers were not even known by anybody else on the board, like nobody has any idea who the hell the superhero intelligence agency is, like. She was like covering them, so like she was still fighting against Vought, but she was doing it the right way, the CIA way, with yeah. politicians and congresswomen and bills and laws and talking to you know military people to stop funding for Vought and stuff like that. But that's a key witness right there. Someone yeah. as intelligent as her knows you don't kill your star witness. And it's also like to speak to the Billy Butcher of it all. She realizes that their vengeance won't get her the kids back. Oh, yeah. 
You know, like that's another. That's another thing is she's also one of the people that saw vengeance doesn't help. Allowing yourself to feel the pain every day doesn't help. Like you have to move on and still fight that good fight. Yeah. And that's what I love about this woman. Girls get it done this season. I'm telling you. All the all the girls get it done this season. Even though she doesn't kill him, uh during a mission, Lamplighter sacrifices himself so he we can save Starlight. And uh, he didn't dies. sacrifice himself. I thought he that's what he did. Himself. Was he scared? No, he killed himself. No, they replaced his statue of Starlight. And then he got upset. And he got so upset. And last words were I just wanted my dad to be proud of me and he sets himself on fire. As you do, I guess. When push comes he, to show. he legit he legit killed himself when he saw that that the seven replaced his statue with Starlight. And it's like buddy, but I mean, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a yeah. while. And um, it's not even that they, they they that um he was presumed dead in the eyes of the public. He was just retired. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly how Starlight got her part in the seven. Was my good pal Lamplighter retiring? Is really like you know like so they had no one had any idea what the hell was going on with this guy. Yeah, not the public. They just shoot him off. Yeah, in the eyes of the public, you're retired. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna replace their statue. But nope, my man couldn't hang. <laughs> oh, poor lamplighter. Poor lamplighter. Poor lamplighter. Poor the guy that killed two kids. Poor lamplighter. <laughs> well, okay, not poor lamplighter. But let's talk about uh, somebody who definitely deserves an Emmy. Let's talk about Anthony Starr as Homelander. He. Oh man, he fucked. He he did it. He he proved everything that I said last year, and I'm gonna have to listen, go back and listen to our season one, because mm-hmm. I know that he just owned this season. Yeah, he owned. Yeah, and he's the he's the leader of the seven still. Um, you know, beneath his public image as a noble hero, he's narcissistic, uh, sadistic, and cares very little about the well being of the people he says he's going to protect. And I feel like one of the big arcs of, of this season is Homelander's search for love and purpose, especially after getting rid of Stillwell in the, in the first season. Um, he gets rid of her in such a tantrumy way that you start to see his uh, regret of it, especially in the beginning of, this, of the season. Yeah, where he has freaking doppelganger stay in his cabin as her all the time. Yep. Drinking leftover milk that she left over, uh, making Doppelganger become her and pretend to be into him. It's not It's not only that he becomes her, he makes him talk as if she's into him. <laughs> oh, yeah. She has, other... she has him, like, co- she's, like, he's saying, like, coddling dialogue. <laughs> right, right. Which, which must have been what he told boy. him to say. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah that's, that's why great. It's definitely... That's definitely scripted for, for a fucking doppelganger. So that, and he even said like, you know, staying in this one shape for too long hurts me. And so it's like, imagine the pain that this dude is going through while having to say this script he doesn't believe in. The pains people go through to keep powerful people happy, right? (laughs) And 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 then it just served no purpose, anyways. Yeah, because he is over that. He he can't seem to figure out whose love and attention he wants, where he wants to get it from. He just knows he wants it and needs it, period. And with Stillwell gone, he takes aggressive control over the Seven, even taking care of that blind spot character who tries to join at one point. Oh my god, that scene was so... Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, bro. I was My, my jaw dropped. Yeah. My jaw dropped because one moment I'm just sitting there, I'm watching, I'm, like, I'm not even paying attention to anything. Next thing I know, bang! Right I think up ears. until that point, he hadn't done anything yet of in the se- in the series. 
you know, he hadn't done anything out of control or angry or any of that kind of stuff. You saw that he was upset about the whole um, Stillwell thing, but he hadn't done anything yet. Uh, the first person that we see do anything in the series is um, Black Noir, who takes out the super terrorists in the beginning of the season. So I figured you meant done anything by like show the pe- show people who his true colors. No, because I mean, we, we, yeah, we point, knew he we, wasn't really showing his true color. No, no, I mean, it's like, like, uh, what's her, what was that girl's name? Samantha or whatever. Uh, like, Ashley. Other people, like Ashley, like he was. It, the, the the further that this season got, the more Homelander started like truly not giving a fuck. He becomes unhinged like, because Stillwell seems to be the person that had the leash on him, and she says, and that's why. He you, says, we as an audience see who he truly is when he takes down the plane or doesn't save the other plane. Like, right. We know who he is, but because Madeline had that leash on him in the eyes of the public, he looked so much more different. So now that Madeline is dead, now the people are starting to turn on him. He said with Doppelganger that he respected her ability to like keep people in line with just a look, you know? And I think he did respect her for that, and he never felt like he had to be out in front and and so aggressive but now he's like i said he's taking control over the seven he's writing his own speeches he's doing his own pr um but after going too far he's eventually put in his place by stan edgar um juan carlo esposito returning gian carlo esposito bro that was that was all gus yes that was all he's really good at playing um poker face bro when he gives that that stare look yeah. Where his head just tilts down and his eyebrow just raises and he just He gives, gives nothing away. Like you ask him a question, he'll just give you that look and there's nothing on his face. And then he talks with a smile. When he talk when he does his monologues with a smile, you know to be afraid. <laughs> yeah. And he's talking when to he a was soup. like, We are not a superhero company. We are a pharmaceutical company. I'm like, yo, this guy's delivery, give him a goddamn Emmy. Give him all the awards. Yeah, he tells him that compound V is the true asset, not him. You know, he yeah. puts him right there in his place. Um, feeling powerless, he begins to bother Becca and Ryan. Uh, that was a bit weird. He pushes Ryan off of, of a building. <laughs> he's going through it. He's, he, you can tell he wants to be part of this family, even though he's going to be doing it by twisting Becca's arm, you know? Uh, but he just wants love and a purpose from someone, someone to tell him you're doing good. You're doing good. Um, and eventually he ends up turning his attention from Ryan and Becca to Stormfront because Stormfront ends up killing the soup terrorists first. And they were hoping to have the soup terrorists be caught to uh, push the conversation to the terrorists and not the compound V situation. Um, he's livid when he notices that she becomes more popular than he does and confronts her about it. Well, she, she even helps him with the whole meme thing. Like, reluctantly, I got that whole scene of him just staring and watching all of these memes from the internet. <laughs> Going of crazy. Hating like on Ben him Shapiro and... just, just uh, wakes up in the morning and just looks at all the memes about him. Bro, it was it was absolutely great. A lot of YouTubers were like, oh my God, this is us reading the comments. And like, you just see him just watching every meme. And then he just comes to her like, can you help me please? And, and Yeah, first he confronts her and he's like, what the, who the hell do you think you are at first? Yeah. Uh, and then she I explains. Was very reluctant. Their relationship was was built on reluctance. Well, she explains to him that it's nothing personal. She has nothing against him. He's just that his approach is wrong. He needs an army, not a following. And so she starts to work on his PR stuff. And she gives him the advice to kick A-Train out the seven, kind of because he's black also. Black. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> and the, nothing, no other reason and because the, of that. And the two of them begin like a twisted relationship. Um, the romance makes Homelander unhinged. And when Stormfront lies about her whereabouts, he torches his own trailer. Now, 
that moment was incredibly petulant, but I've also had that moment before. <laughs> oh, I did. Listen, I've definitely had that moment before of like, you know what? Fuck all this. <laughs> I cared way too much about this. This was never going to work. Torch it all. Bro, Torch it legit, all. Burn it all. He's legit staring at flowers with a card saying, thanks for a great day. And then she kind of fi- kind of figures out that she's lying to him because she doesn't. Um, she doesn't. She's not where he. she says she is. She says she goes to the tower. He goes to the tower. Look for her. She's not there. Um, and then. Oh, yeah, because that was the whole. That was the, the Sage uh, Grove. Sandy Grove. The, the Sage, Sage Grove. Grove yeah. Sage Grove. I'm thinking it's called like Sandy Grove. Yeah, that was the whole Sage Grove thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, because that was the Dawn of the Seven episode. Yeah. Um, the Dawn of the Seven is here. It's hilarious. Uh, it is great. Hoping to gain his trust, Stormfront lets him in on her past and the fact that she has a daughter. Um, this prompted him to introduce her to her, introduce her to and kidnap Ryan so he can have his own family. Uh, the boys manage to get Ryan away from Homelander, and when Vought operative shows up, he lasers them all to death. Uh, covered in blood, he confronts Butcher after finding out it was his plan. But Maeve shows up, saying she will blackmail him, causing him to lose all his followers if he chooses to kill Billy or the kid. Homelander considers this for a moment and begins to cry as he has to choose between his image and his potential family, but ultimately decides that the love of his followers is too much. After a press conference announcing Stormfront as a villain and the mole of the seven, he is seen masturbating on a skyscraper while reminding himself <laughs> that he can do whatever he wants. So, so I'm almost certain... You'll have to do the research, or the or the listeners at home will have to do the research. But I'm almost certain the scene of him masturbating on top of this skyscraper was something that the showrunner spoke about wanting to have on the show, but had to cut out. I'm almost certain. Maybe it was season one. He had this thing where he was going to put this in, and he didn't. And I guess he eventually got down to it. After looking for love the whole season, I guess Homelander's learning that he has to give himself a little bit self-love. Um, and he's not going to be happy knowing that he's he's kind of dead to rights in the seven, right? Son, hold on, but you have to we have to give credit to Anthony Starr's acting on that moment when Stan Edgar was saying that uh, Stormfront was a solo operative and Bart yeah. had nothing to do it. And you just see he was the one talking because he had to give a statement. Yeah. And like the camera's just panning straight into his dead blue eyes. And, and you got just, the white noise. Oh my God. Yeah. Man, he can do whatever the fuck you want. I love Homeland. They li- they literally made Homelander a, a, like there's a way to like you know he's bad, you yeah. know he's evil, and if this and if he you met him in real life, he would kill you without even thinking about it. Like well, we we, we know that he's a child. He's, so <laughs> he's he's always been presented as a child, and yeah, you're right. Anthony Starr is incredibly entertaining, and the character is well written. But one of the reasons why I think you're allowed to like him more now, as opposed to season one, is the introduction introduction of Ayakasha Stormfront, right? It's this idea oh, that yes. we have a greater evil that he, at one point, makes a visible change on his face that says that what she believes in, he doesn't, you know? Uh, they were on the same wavelength up until a point. When she spits that white genocide line, he's like... uh no (laughs) he's like oh yeah i am not no that's not because she's telling ryan like oh you know they're gonna kill us she's being very she's being very racist being very an alarmist an alarmist right like they're coming they're coming to take our stuff and all that kind of stuff 
And he's just like, uh, listen, I'm all for killing people, but I just, it's, it's not premeditated. Like, I, he, he doesn't, he kills everybody equally. That's the thing about Homelander. Yeah. He's an equal murderer. Yeah. There isn't, there isn't no pattern. There's no racism to his murder. No, he doesn't he, believe he, in any of that. Yeah, no, he definitely isn't racist. Like, he wouldn't be good. He's, he is very good friends with Black Noir, even in the comic book. Someone like, said someone Noir, said something like along the lines of like he's a supremacist. He's just not a white supremacist. Yes, he yes 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 you know? exactly. And he's so, a bigot, but he's not a, a racial bigot. But let's talk about the racial bigot. Uh, Stormfront slash Liberty, the first successful Compound B subject, and a member uh, of the Seven with plasma based abilities. Did you get up to him in the comics? No. Because I, I don't remember not. if I'd... I no, did then, not, no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this it, was all brand Stormfront's new Stormfront's in the comics as a guy. Right, and Stormfront, the title is the name of a, I want to say, an incredibly far-right uh, supremacist Nazi, new, oh, neo-Nazi no, yeah. newsletter. Yeah, the like Stormfront, yeah. I'm pretty sure every one of their articles is them saying things that she's saying, like, oh, they're right there, they're on the cusp of just wiping us out, you know? <laughs> so... Um, she's placed on the seven by Stan Edgar in an attempt to control the narrative of the naysayers of art. Cause he just basically manufactures a leader of those voices in Stormfront, right? Um, the, yeah. the act even fools Starlight. Starlight starts to believe that they're on the same side. Like they're both going to take down Liberty and she's all like, N- like, no, <laughs> you know, um, one of the first things Stormfront does is undermine Homelander's abilities as a leader. And she weaponizes meme culture to gain popularity as someone who, quote unquote, keeps it real. But this is also what's beautiful about her. What's beautiful about the, her, um, her character here is that she is playing the heiress. Yes. She's an heiress at the end of the day. Like she's coming in like, oh, you guys are having fun, but, you know, this is actually mine. So, you know, give it back. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, like that's what she was basically doing. She wasn't taking power away to give herself power. No, she's she was literally taking back her already established power. Which is why a lot of these things are very trivial to her, right? Like what mm-hmm. happens over the last five years or ten years in the political landscape doesn't bother her. She's been around for damn near a hundred. You know, she's seen so many political wars and so well, I mean, many. It should you have know... never bothered her, anyways, because it's like she's always been on the opposition. Right, she's but I'm saying that she she's seen how uh, propaganda can manipulate over decades, and how that shifts mm, mm-hmm. from the propaganda posters yes, yes, and yes, cartoons yes. to you know memes and stuff like that. Um, you know, where I, memes is nothing more than just how uh, cartoon sections in a newspaper used to be. Right, uh, like 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 political cartoons, you know, and then you create yep. these memes, and like like she says, you'll know it works when your grandpa shares it. Without even knowing the, you know, the significance of sharing a view or information like that, and you see that now with some of the Trump stuff, um, she's somebody who showed up and basically declared that she's not like the members of the Seven, and she's going to put Vought on notice. You know, she's the one who says like, "Oh, Vought's doing too much of this. Homelander is doing too much of that." Um, and then when she gets in her position, she doesn't change any of that stuff, which is very, you know, much like our current president. Um, and I think that's not by accident. Um, I will say, I think it was a little bit on the nose that in her death, uh, well, not her death, but in the last thing of you seeing her, she's basically doing a, a freaking Heil and speaking German. 
Right. She has like one. But, she has like her her dismembered hand in the air, trying to do like a Heil. Right. But did you know? Or maybe she was trying to reach for Homelander. I don't know. So, I thought so as well. Um, that she was. That she was, was trying like, to reach out to him. No, no, that she was just. I thought she was basically cu- cursing under her skin. I mean, under her skin. Yeah. Uh, under her breath. Under yeah. her breath. Um. And. Yeah, so I thought she was just like cursing under her breath. These these people, this yada 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 yada. Um, you fucking bitches, all you bitches. But bitches, no, bitches, bitches. but no. Would you like to know what she said? Oh, what did she say? I have a translation for you, and maybe some of the people at home who weren't aware of what she was talking about. But she basically says, and I quote, or oh, I'm trying to quote, but this damn article is getting crazy. Where is it? Okay. <clears throat> she says, it was so beautiful how the three of us sat there in the shade of an apple tree. Do you remember the day, Frederick? Chloe's arms out the car window. We found the perfect spot by the river in the shade of an apple tree. It was the first time Chloe ate fresh apples. Was so oh. happy. It was wonderful. I wanted it to never end. She was talking about the moment with her husband and her daughter. Yep. In her last damn, that's, moments. <laughs> damn, don't make me don't make me feel bad for you, Nazi bitch. No, she's she's terrible. She's absolutely terrible. Don't feel bad for her, but that's exactly what she um that's what her last words were. Uh she still holds supremacist views towards minorities and individuals without superpowers. Um and like I said, you know, she does some incredibly heinous things. She says some incredibly heinous things. Um and even when Homelander seems to be threatening her ascension, she just strokes his ego. She tells him everything he wants to hear, which is something that happens in political landscape as well, right? Um, these they're in the war for the culture. That's it. That's what she says. Yeah, uh, she ends up confessing to Homelander that she's Vought's first soup, having married the founder Frederick Vought and had um, taken the first of what would become to be known as Compound V. Um, while Edgar believes the drug is the true asset and mission stormfront's mission is to prevent white genocide and sees homelander as the blue haired i mean sorry the blue haired the blonde haired blue eyed face of the movement for white supremacy oh 100 percent. like homelander is everything that she ever her and her people and everything ever dreamed of he is like the nazi poster boy but he's not racist like he even showed it that he's not racist yeah he's just he's just a sociopath with a Borderline personality disorder. Right. And um and an Oedipus complex. <laughs> and like when she when she talks about him and she she you know reveals this, she speaks about him in awe. Like you know like she speaks about him like he is literally the 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 Aryan dream. Um and you can't spell Aryan without Ryan. So <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so that's that's pretty funny. So Arian is an antigram for Ryan. Oh my god. So after making an enemy of A Train, because she gets him kicked out of the out of the seven because he's black, um, the speedster leaks her Nazi background to the press <laughs> in hopes of getting back in the seven when she's outed. Uh with the public after turn- already getting mad at Storm for not Storm for uh, Starlight, Starlight yeah. for leak for leaking the compound V. Like, come on. Yeah. It, yeah, it just goes to show. Like it, again, probably doing something good, but not necessarily for the good of mankind. It's for the good of himself. Mm-hmm. Not at all. 
Um, with the public turned against her, she heads back to destroy the boys and take Ryan back, but is jumped by Starlight, Kimiko, and Queen Maeve, who take her down before she can get away. Uh, that's your girls do it. Get it get done. Get it done. Girls get it done moment. Because that's, that's what Frenchie even said. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, obvious allusions to the darkness and the pessimism and cynicism of the DCEU. Uh, but this is clearly a dig at Marvel and the moment. And this is they would they were doing these digs the entire season of Girls Get It Done and how manufactured that can be. Uh, and then they um, show us the other side of that with an actual, seemingly actually organic moment of girls deciding to come together and help one another against a common enemy. Well, I thought it was organic in Endgame. I thought it was organic in Endgame too. I wasn't one of those people um, arguing about that. But that that moment became such a polarizing moment also, in the entire film. I wanted to bring it up to you here because this is also a, one of the first moments that I've seen where they have a girl power scene where no Gwen Stefani or oh right, Blondie. no no random girl song, no Barracuda. No Barracuda. Barracuda. It was it was right. a random girl song, but it was were they playing cool it? Song. Were they playing a song? They were they were playing they were, they were playing like a rock song where the the lead singer was like a female. Okay. But it wasn't an on-the-nose, blatantly barracuda. And the thing is, we knew we knew what all their motives were. We knew why they joined together. You know, um, At the time of Endgame, a lot of those female characters had never met, had never spoken. And I guess just the arrangement in which they all appeared. Again, I thought... I was fine with the moment, but I could. I saw the problems that it would. You can you can yeah. see that it didn't blend organically. We're here. This was everything we were waiting for. Starlight <laughs> and Queen Maeve to be together. Uh, this was a uh, Starlight and Kamiko, and like this was just everything you were waiting for. It was a fist pump moment. Like it was like a hell yeah <laughs> kind of moment. You really oh, wanted no, to see her again. Asking. A, this was one hundred percent awesome freaking moment because it was a redhead. It was a it was a gay redhead, a mm. Christian blonde, and an immigrant black haired girl versus a German Nazi bitch. Yes. So um, it's like you had all all <laughs> of the angles. You had, you were covering all your bases there. Yeah, and right before it happens, Kimiko laughs for the first time. We hear her audibly make a sound as she laughs, um, which I I attributed to her realizing that she has a new family, and that they might win this. Because she doesn't yeah, have to do it she, alone. I think that I think you're right. I think that that she realized that that was the moment where she's like, "I'm gonna win this." Yeah, because I have a. Fa- I, I'm not alone. I have a family. Um. So now Queen, uh, I mean now, um, what's her face is pissed. Stormfront's pissed. She tries to murder Becca, but is incinerated by Ryan and left limbless, mumbling in German. We spoke about what she was mumbling. Um, according to Homelander, she's apprehended, but we do not know her fate. Do you think we'll see the return of Stormfront? Probably, because this is something that it seems like Vought was doing, like, every generation. Yeah. Because what happened? where did Liberty go from the 50s? Oh, who knows? And I guess it's also a commentary on, like, maybe white supremacy? How it doesn't ever really go? You might cut off its limbs just, and stick yeah, it in the oh, hospital, yeah, but it... It might yeah, pop back up you, as something else later on. You cut off one head, eight more grows, George. Right. And I think that's a pretty apt comparison. Because you know? think of the people that she was speaking. Do think of the, the voices she was giving? What that about... Um, from community. No, what about uh, her line of... Um, very poignant line where she says, like, people believe what I say. They just don't want to be called a Nazi. 
which is like uh-huh. you'll hear some of the alt right say some ridiculous things and um have people agree with them but as soon as you contextualize like oh well you know the nazis said the same thing it becomes a you know no well, no no nazi. yeah i'm not a not right 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 100 and so it's like well if you start to identify with the ideas of a nazi you might be a Nazi, you know, walk like a duck, quack like a duck. Just might be a Nazi. A Nazi. What do you think about the um, the fate of Stormfront? Aya Cash as an actress, um, and Stormfront as a character. I I loved that actress. That actress was she was just making me believe everything. Like I'm just like, damn, she's really selling. She could sell a fucking blind man a pair of sunglasses. Like yeah, she was doing a great job. But also. Nazi bitch, and I was just waiting for the ball to drop because it's like I always I knew, I knew who the character of Stormfront was in the comic. Right. I didn't get I didn't get up to him, but like I knew who he was through like various Facebook groups. So I'm just waiting. I'm just I'm waiting for the ball to drop. Just it's coming, it's coming, and then bam. She used to hang out with Goebbels and all that, right? Mm-mm. So, but she did a fan she did a fantastic job. Like this seat. The boys need a clear-cut villain, like somebody that everybody has to has to hate. Doesn't matter who they are, they have to hate that one person equally. And the last season was Homelander. Yeah, and this I think season, they set it you up. You have Stormfront. They almost set it up for us to believe it was going to be Homelander again. And I think that you have that moment where he envisions lasering down the crowd. <laughs> we see kind of what he's capable of, but I do think that. If he's ever going to be the de facto villain, it'll be like the, the, the last season. Yeah, but other other than killing that bank robber, like smushing his head into the wall, we really weren't getting much of the the. It, 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 this was an unhinged Homelander, yes, but this was more of a like. How, how do I put it? Like that, it wasn't unhinged where we saw how last season it was unhinged and having to be pulled back. Yeah, like he legit took down a plane. Last well, season. well, he also remember he accidentally lasered that guy, <laughs> which caused a bunch of the a, a bunch of the backlash. Like he obviously doesn't know; he just doesn't know how to. Be, and that's a lot of the nature versus nurture stuff too that brought that was brought up with Ryan. Is like he was not raised with love, and he was not raised with compassion. No, and, he, and, and he saw it. He said it to Ryan. Yeah, it's like I, I, the people that raised me feared me, so they always kept their distance. And at one point, his best advice to Ryan is like, "We're gods." So don't ever act as anything less than a god, which shows his detachment from humanity, you know, which we often talk about is a trope of what people think about the Superman character, that he would just right. be so powerful that he would be so out of touch with humanity. Yeah, but it's also that self-empowerment that even Magneto gives his Brotherhood of Mutants, where he told Pyro, you know, you're a god amongst insects. Don't think of yourself as anything less. Right. But that's or the don't let anybody of... tell you less. Like, And that's that comes from a man whose people were uh, negatively affected by people by having people that had that same view which is that we're we're gods and they're insects so it's yeah. just shoes on the other so, foot with that whole situation but uh, it, it, ryan's gonna get the nurture he needs so thankfully there and i really hope i hope season three like they don't do what they did with this season and just start us off right then and there i want time to pass because I, I, I feel like I need like that'll help with consequences for the newer season. Yeah, and I think the way they left things off, you you can do that. There's not much that needs to be immediately answered, you know. Oh no, one one hundred percent. I like, in in a sense, I don't need to know where 
they have been. I just want to see them get together after not being and seeing each other for at least a maximum of like three years. Yeah. Start like season three, like two years later. Right. Make Ryan like in his teens. Yeah. Give us a teenage Ryan who's, you know, give us, give us a vault that has like got its trust back with the people so that there's a way to break that trust again. Yeah, I think honestly, what's going to end up happening is where like Victoria Newman is going to try to like run for president or something, and I think that's yes, what I think that's what the next arc is going to be. The boys will probably have to but get back together. But she would also have to be thirty five, and she seemed like like the like the character that she that that actress was playing seemed to be someone like our age, like yeah, twenty seven, twenty eight. Because I heard, I think it was the that the little extra trivia thing on that it was this was an AOC like not parody or satire, but like homage like an yeah. inspiration like this right. character was supposed to be like they, they had aoc in mind for when they made this character yeah young female um firecracker sort of po- politician who's from to... the streets and right. knows how to be a people person they even make that. fun of her doing a dance at one point which was something that aoc had did she yep. had been on footage doing a dance of sorts homelander says like oh we they saw newman dance to walk like an egyptian or something like that so, yes yes yeah they make fun of all that that, too. that was right that was right then and there i was like yep that is so an aos that's so an aoc homage speaking of girls getting it done let's talk about queen mave breaking good seemingly oh man queen queen mave was always good to me we got dominic she was just miguel uh, Mc, miguel miguel McElligot? Yes, McElligot. Uh, uh, she's it, she plays Maggie Shaw, aka Queen Maeve, a veteran member of the Seven with enhanced physical strength and endurability. Although she once wanted to protect innocent lives, she has become disillusioned and suffers from the burnout and post-traumatic st- stress disorder. Um, which oh, I guess de- this whole season is definitely her feeling the PTSD of the airplane shit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, that's what's been ruining her since that whole airplane thing. She has just been falling since. We also have Nicola Correa Damood as Elena, Queen Maeve's girlfriend. Um, when the Compound V scandal hits, Maeve's dad pretends he never even heard of it, which doesn't make any sense because he put Maeve on the circuit for uh, soup stuff. Um, Maeve fear- expresses her fears about Homelander early to her girlfriend Elena and Homelander seems to overhear causing her to out her uh, on an interview with Maria Menudos out of jealousy. And that all came from one small conversation that they had back in season one where he's like, if I ever thought you were trying to like be with anybody else but me, you know, I'd go crazy and all that. So yeah. it was that one comment where he like put that, he, he Homelander has this way of threatening the chicks in the seven by putting his hand on their neck. Yes. Well, he likes to choke people. That's the thing. Um, oh, one of the just, things... that's his way of like trying to intimidate you. It's like, like with Maeve, he puts his hand around her neck. Same for for Stormfront. Same for freaking Starlight. It was just, it was. I thought, I just thought it was pretty cool that every time he's threatening one of these chicks, his hand is always around their throat. And the the um, like the act uh, itself of outing her is incredibly, you know, disingenuous and and heartless and all that kind of stuff. And it the act on its own. It could be right up Homelander's alley, but um, what people also need to remember is that it was after a culmination of events in which Homelander felt that people, all the people around him, were lying to him. So he was really going kind of crazy. That he just felt like everybody was lying to him, and then he finds Maeve lying about this relationship stuff, and he basically outs her. 
you know, um, and that was his way of keeping control over her to kind of put her secret out yeah, there. Basically. And then, and then um, for the rest of the series, she fears stepping out of line because of what he might do. And we see Vought trying to market and commercialize Maeve's lesbian lifestyle, uh, where she's actually bisexual, but they say that lesbians sell better, I believe it was. Or something yes. like that, those, along yes. those lines. She's bisexual, but lesbians sell better. It's ridiculous. It's so bad. It's so heartless. It's so um, pessimistic oh, and cynical. Oh, it was it was completely heartless because it's, I think like the the scene starts off with Evan and Seth back again. Yeah, and the and the flag queen, brave the fucking pitch boys, brave, goddamn pitch boys, brave Mave. And all oh, that. the Brave Mave bars. Yeah. Brave Mave bars. My Brave Mave lasagna. Brave Mave ice cream and burgers. There's like, a bunch of Jesus that stuff. Jesus Christ. And I, that, that line, I had to listen to that line like twice because it just, it's, it, it made my stomach turn. He's like, well, we've kind of polled people and it seems that outright women, women relationships tend to be more problematic. People see it as sexual. So. People are a lot more comfortable if there is a definitive gender. Even right. Though. Yeah. I'm like, yo. And then they bring up the Portia, De Rossi, and Ellen DeGeneres relationship. I'm like, yo, you people need to It's out of control. And you got to think, think these conversations are really happening. Oh, no. These conversations are 100% happening. It's ridiculous. 100%. Yeah, it's so trivial because how, there's they, a lot of how actually, they treat her, like, her life, her sexual orientation. They treat it like if it's just another fuck. They they, they treat everything like a campaign trail. Yeah, because they look at it as the numbers, the statistics, the polls, the people. There's a lot of like that. yeah, yeah. It's it's in in the it's a shell company basically. Vought is basically a shell company in the senses. Stan Edgar outright says this is a pharmaceutical company disguised as a superhero company. Right. So it's like a shell corporation. Well, there's the a lot. Like every, there's a lot of. Um, this idea of having to show face and what your public face is versus what's actually going on. And, and, and one of the things that Voight has always been on top of is their public face. They're really good at getting ahead of whatever they think is going to tank them. Oh, even though, yeah, San Edgar told it to Homelander. He's like, ever since you're a little, like, you know, outburst, I've been doing nothing but heavy lifting in the back trying to, like, get yeah, our cover up back, it. our funding back, like. When yeah, the whole thing like, broke about the compound V, the stock market, they actually stopped selling stocks. It all closed down. Like they, they were on the brink of at least reputation bankruptcy. suicide. Yeah, you know? And so, like, they had to spin everything around as to Vault is the kind of place that employs superheroes that can catch super terrorists like Stormfront. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, it, and it was going, every, it was just going everywhere. Like the up and downness of Vought's trust with the people was just going absolutely everywhere. And it was fun. It, it it seemed like something that not seemed like this is stuff that really happens in real life. Yeah, getting a, getting ahead of the bullshit PR stunts I'm, and all I'm, that. I'm, I, we we do it with comic book like all the time. If we have to change mm-hmm. the subject on a podcast or we're late to a live, you have to put something out to let the people know that you're we, not just even. Not we openly BS-ing. said it that we felt like during these kinds of trying times, talking about Joker right. would have been, you know, not the right thing. Like people needed a lot more happier stories, so we put off the Joker's 80th anniversary for months. Yeah, and you know, just so we can save face. Some of that is responsibility that you feel like you have to the people who put you where you are, and another half of that is um, covering your own ass, which is which Vaught and especially Stanley Edgar are tremendously good at. 
the all the events of season one were thrown under the bus with the revelation that super terrorists exist. And now, now everything over here is getting pushed under the bus with the idea that there was a mole in the seven and somebody was somebody else was being malicious. It wasn't Edgar. It wasn't Homelander. And they, they're able to pin everything on Stormfront, which I think is interesting. Um, with Maeve, though, she's frustrated that Homelander is still finding ways to control her. So she, she vows to Elena that they will take her down. But things don't go quite as they should because Elena sees the footage from the failed plane crash or plane rescue in season one. Um, she breaks up with Maeve, who in response goes on a sex bender. Is that a correct term? <laughs> I, I uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming so because, yeah, the next thing you know, she's got like three of the guys that she was beating up in her training shit in the first season in her bed. Yeah. She's also back to smoking cigarettes. She was vaping for a while? Yep. She quit cigarettes thing. for a while and then she got back to cigarettes. So uh, that's it, pretty sad as someone that smokes. Like, I. I know the feeling of just of, <laughs> getting you know, back on it, you getting got back there. on the horse. Yeah, you, you got there, you quit, you did it, you, you the hard part was done. And then bam, one piece of stress later. Uh she breaks up with Maeve, uh, Elena does. Like I said, and she goes through that bender in a crisis of consciousness. Maeve ends up helping Starlight when Black Noir tries to kill her by shoving and an at almond this point, joy. It didn't even serve her no purpose really. No. But I think I think since season one, Maeve sees a lot of herself in Starlight. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, she and so, gave her the towel and said, "You know, clean yourself up. Never let him see a sweat and all that." Starlight's, but Starlight's getting to the Maeve part of it all, which is why Maeve had to course correct so that Starlight could course correct as well. If that makes any sense. Um, no, one hundred percent. She's been treating her like a like a little sister the entire time. Like that, that's. That's why I was so happy that they were finally fighting. Like when you hear her say, hey, Kraut, and then bam. They're on the same page, yeah. Because they both know the universal truths. They know the Deep is a scumbag. They know Homeland is a jerk. They know Vought is all made up and all the stuff about the women stuff is all made up. Basically, they both, logically, they they both are on the same page. But she was complicit, though. That was the thing. Maeve was complicit to everything. She was allowing it all to happen because she was so disillusioned. Just like Starlight, she thought there was nothing that she could do. But now, like Starlight, she's figuring, well, if we're all in this car, I can't let the assholes drive. Me and Starlight are going to drive. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're not yeah, basically. Let things, we're not just going to let things go to hell because they're already seemingly on the road there. If we're in the and driver's in the seat, end, then, yeah. The Seven turned really into just a main focus of three. Yeah, I mean, the Seven um, The seven right now is what? A-Train, Homelander, Maeve, and Starlight? Maeve and Starlight, because Black Noir is, I think, un- incapacitated. He's still in a com- yeah, he's still in a coma. He's from that allergy. Yeah. Uh, and Deep is not getting back in. No, Deep is not. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, uh, she ends up ha- uh, stuffing a Almond Joy into Black Noir's mouth and causes him to inca- be incapacitated because of his tree nut allergy. Um... Guy. Real, real quickly, uh, Jesse T. Usher plays Reggie Franklin, a.k.a. A-Train. Um, he's determined to maintain his status as a fastest speedster, which which resulted in him being addicted I'm to sorry, that's such a stereotypical name that they could have chose. A-Train? Yeah, that's such a... Not, no, not A-Train. Reggie Franklin? His name. Reggie Franklin. Yeah. Tell me that's not, like... It just doesn't sound like something a white person would make up. <laughs> right. Uh, he ends up getting kicked off the team by Homelander, but is welcomed back once the Church of Collective manages to make a deal with Stanley Edgar. Doesn't get much play in this season. Um, I thought all the Dawn of the Seven stuff with him was hilarious. 
with him trying to saying, oh, you know, I'll just rewrite it. And the guy's like, well, that's above my pay grade. So you should argue with the person that is dealing with all that kind of stuff. I thought all that Hollywood meta stuff was very, very funny. With uh, oh, every time, like every time, freaking Stormfront was just like doing those like backhanded, passive aggressive comments to him. I was just side side eyeing him the whole time. But yeah. she's just sucking on that stupid ass fucking. But she knew. She, she knew what the hell the issue. I mean, he knew. You know, like it wasn't. It didn't take too long for him to figure out what her issue with him was, uh, which is very uncomfortable. No, yeah. it, it it was because she was like. She um, she asked him if he was in the if he was in the Church of the Collective, and he's like, and she she was basically saying like, oh, you know, church used to stand for something, used to mean something. And so they started letting everybody, anybody up, yeah. in. Right, right, right. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, Jesus garbage. Christ, garbage. Um, so uh, Nathan Mitchell plays Black Noir. A uh, silent member of the Seven who possesses superhuman strength and agility and conceals his physical appearance behind a dark costume. He does a lot of the dirty work this season, beginning with killing the super terrorist Homeland they created. And I kind of feel like he's like a Deadpool, in a, a Deadpool that doesn't talk. Yeah. He eventually hunts down the boys, though he's called off by Vought. He's eventually incapacitated when he tries to apprehend Stormfront. I mean, sorry, Starlight, but has an Almond Joy stuffed in his mouth and succumbs to his tree allergy. The other big, big thing about this, we got to talk about Vought in general, most uh, certainly about Stan Edgar, uh, the CEO of Vought International and Stillwell's superior. Um, we see that he's constantly focused on business, even when it doesn't necessarily suit his own, you know, like, I guess, race, <laughs> when he chooses to partner up with a known Nazi to achieve his goals. Does, like, did that show oh, how black and white he thinks about things? To, he was even willing to, like, reject a train going into the seven and accept the deep because stormfront would rather someone who looks like the deep but also he also like carelessly thinks like ah, well you know what we could bring one of them back bringing them both back would be like weakness you know one bringing one back it would be redemption bringing back both would be weakness so i thought that was interesting as hell because like, he finds a way to be pragmatic about everything even though most of the time what he's talking about is human lives he finds a way to still make it black and white and still make it like oh, to emotionless. Him, they're, they're nothing more than that's nothing more than commodity to him. Yes. Um, doing some um, well, we find out that the founder of uh, Vought, uh, Frederick Vought, like we said, was a Nazi scientist, and um, in the early 1940s began working on Compound V. He switched sides, choosing to work with the Allies, and created Soldier Boy to fight the Nazis, which I'm guessing is their Captain America uh, analog. Which we will we will see because Jason Eccles is will return as Storm as oh Soldier Boy, um next season. So I don't. They never say he died. We'll find out how a Cap a Captain America s character spun by the boys uh will exist in this world, which will be pretty freaking interesting. Um, Fred- I don't think I'm gonna want to see that because I've already <laughs> seen what they did with Superman. Yeah, yeah, and and in a lot of ways, Stormfront kind of was Cap. You know, frozen for a bit, comes back. Uh, you know, well, she was more one like of the first. Hydra got a hold of Cap. Yeah, yeah. Um, Frederick is eventually pardoned by Roosevelt, and Vought continues to produce Compound V and superheroes to this day. Edgar gets ahead of the Compound V scandal by sicking the Seven on Kamiko's brother in hopes of changing the narrative. He also uses Stormfront killing Kamiko's brother as a bigger story than Compound V. 
Uh, Compound V becomes a huge issue when Claudia Dumit, who plays Victoria Newman, uh, takes a stand against Vought, Soups, and Compound V. Um, at the end of Season 2, Victoria meets with Grace, who brings her lamplighter to speak as a witness before Congress about what really happens behind closed doors at Vought. She wants to bring down the king and insists that they get more information to accuse Vought. She wants to find more. She wanted to find more proof about what goes on at the Sage Grove Center as well. But after Lamplighter dies, Butcher convinces Vogelbaum to speak before the, the Congress, which pleases Victoria. However, just before his testimony, Vogelbaum's head explodes. Um, after the judges, along with several other I'm people in the audience, <laughs> I'm a little mad at the boys at this one because I feel like this is a continuity error. Okay, over here because to me, I feel like Vogelbaum died twice. Oh, they kind of made it seem like he, uh, Homelander did, killed him. Did they right? not make? Did they not full? I know they didn't infer it, but didn't they kind of imply where he he says, "I went back to Fogelbaum and I squeezed the truth out of him." Right, when right, right. When has Homelander ever been known to leave somebody alive? Yeah. If yeah. he has a, if he if he's planned on, I'm going to kill you, especially someone like Fogelbaum. was he, he wheelchair bound well. in the beginning though? Maybe he put him in the wheelchair. No, he wasn't wheelchair bound. So maybe that's so what he did. Maybe he did. <laughs> he put him wow. In the wheelchair. Okay, yeah. fine. So when he said I squeezed the truth out of he basically broke paralyzed. His spine. Yeah, he broke, yeah, he his, broke spine. his spine. Damn. Um, okay, then never mind. Right. <laughs> I just did cuz it just seemed it I just had to remember now. Yeah, he definitely was walking in the first season. How he was in a lab he was in a lab coat. How do you feel about that courtroom scene where all the heads exploding? Bro, I was like, where is Cindy? We were so close Where's to the end girl? too, right? We're like an episode away from the end, and we seemingly have what dead to rights. That was the that's the that was the penultimate. Yeah, and that was the penult pen boom. penultimum penultimate. You say it, I can't. Penultimate. penultimate. Yeah, yeah, I can't say it. Yeah, happens. Yeah, that was the, that was episode seven. <laughs> yeah, and so like wow, uh, so Victoria gets splashed with blood and looks on in horror as Grace drags her away. Uh, with numerous people dying around them. But it is revealed in the season finale that sh- that uh, Victoria Newman is a soup. And she's one- she's the one responsible for the attack at the congressional hearing. She blows up Alistair Adana. Is his name? Yep. The leader of the Church Fuck of Collective. Uh, and it's unknown at this point if she has an acting interest in Vought as a form of a controlled opposition. Very similar to what uh, Stormfront was. Where it's an enemy up you know, in public. No, I, I kind of feel like she she is the the extreme of what Butcher could have been if Butcher had compound V. Not not because getting so- too much into it, but would you say she she would be then the personification of the extreme left where yes. Stormfront yes, was the yes, yes. extreme right? Right. Yep, exactly. All right. Because she's she killed the church of the collective she killed that guy of the church of collective because he straight up said he had dirt. Yeah, he had dirt on Vaught, on her, on he had dirt on everything. Right, and she, but and he was looking for a tax exemption, and he won't. He was blackmailing her basically for his taxes because yeah, even Vaught, that whole Stan Edgar scene brought it up that they only they were the ones that were helping the church out with their taxes for a while. Yeah, so like that dude's taxes was going down to the well, shit you saw the, the the parties that they were throwing and the mansion that he lives in. Uh, they got a lot of money. Uh, you know all those fucking commercials, right? 
Um, so yeah, we don't know if she is working for Vought or if she has her own agenda. We'll find out. I'm assuming next season. What we do, I'm pretty know, sure she has her own agenda. What we do know is that Huey joined acts to join her team at her campaign headquarters, and so that was crazy. He is seemingly going to be close to this whole matter, and I'm assuming he'll be what brings everybody back together as the boys once it is revealed. Bro, he could he could once again be another catalyst. Yeah, and I I hope so. Yeah. And I uh, hope it's all, I don't kill her. Like, we can't kill her. Like, she's good and stuff like that until, like, or, like, maybe he has to kill her even though he doesn't want to. Like, there's so many ways we can go at Huey. He's just one character that I'm so glad that I got out of being able to do comic books and do this podcast. There's one thing I'm glad is the shows I've watched. I don't know if I would have watched The Boys or not. Right. I don't know. I don't know if I would have found this show. Right. I mean, I, I, I guess I found it not because I was in the in a podcast team, I found this show because I just wanted something to watch, but I don't know how deep dived I would have gone into this show if it wasn't because I want to talk about it with you and the people at home. Yeah. And you know, like I said, even the staggering nature of them being released, um, is it allows for that conversation. It allows for everyone to come to those conversations and come to those agreements at the same time, as opposed to uh, some rushing it, getting it all done in a weekend, some coming, finishing the series three months from now. You know, it allows us to all have these conversations, which I think is really, really, really cool. Oh, 100%. The last little bit of story we're going to talk about is The Deep's Redemption and the Church of Collective. Oh, lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Chas. Chan? Chas? Chase. Chase? Chase? I think it's Chase. Chi Chi. C H A C E is what? Yeah, probably Chase. Chase Crawford plays Kevin, uh, the deep, a member of the seven, who uh possesses the ability to communicate with aquatic life and breathe on the water. He is looked down upon with the other members of the seven, um, and he because he's the group's aquatic a token aquatic hero. The deep is found. He's also a sexual predator. Yes, and so, he was removed from the seven. For good reason, does everybody look down on him? Yes, he was removed from the seven for sexually harassing Starlight, who uh, kind of revealed all that publicly at the uh, like Church for Christ kind of deal last season. So this season, with uh, he, in the middle of last season, he was trying to get back in the seven, and they kind of just gave up on the idea that he would ever be. So this season, it starts off with him being found drunk at a water park, cursing kids out. <laughs> you think water's fun? Right. He's Try just being in he's underwater just, in the Mariana Trench. He's just there cursing out kids at a water park. <laughs> Which, I, like, the thing is. Part of the 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 uh, comic relief that the deep provides is his level of just being pathetic and pitiful, and this is one of those moments. And he, every time you think you've reached the lowest of lows with how pathetic the deep is going to be, he gives you another level level of pathetic. <laughs> Getting drunk because they cropped him out of the picture. Yes, that's my shoulder. Something. That's my shoulder. <laughs> Crop me out of the. Fucking picture. Uh, he's arrested, but he's bailed out by Eagle the Archer, who introduces him to uh, a church that he goes to called the Church of the Collective. He also introduces him to a seemingly therapist played by, um, oh, I had her name here. Oh, yes, uh, Jessica Heinch. Gretchen something. Uh, <laughs> Gretchen and Elliot? Uh, mm-hmm. Gretchen Gray. 
Uh, Jessica and Jessica Height plays Carol Manahan, Eagle, the archer's teacher and therapist who recruits the deep. So, yeah, she's the one who forces him to come to terms with his gills and the fact that he treats women horribly because he doesn't love himself, which leads to a kind of awkward heart to heart with his own body where Patton Oswald Oswald. voices his gills. How do you feel about this whole (laughs) you are so beautiful to me moment? I love that Patton Oswald just keeps getting work. Yeah. I love it. So far in the last like couple of months, I've seen well, a couple of years, I've seen Pan Oswald in so many just cameo random roles, cameo right? appearances. Yeah. yeah, where he was the the dude from Ted Day or T Day or whatever. Or, yeah, he plays like one uh, of the lava monsters on the Good Place on occasion. He was yep. He was um he was the penguin in BoJack Horseman. Oh yeah, published sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. His voice is, and now is so great. And now he's voicing Gills, and he just. He just has a way of like just panicking, just just yeah. talking with panic. Like it's <laughs> they were they were um yeah they had a heart to heart. They sang "You Are So Beautiful to Me," um, made a mushroom tea to drink. Yes, which kind of has some psychedelics. Uh, the leader of the collective sends the deep into the field to try to stop the boys from turning Kamiko's brother into the CIA, and he tries to send a whale after them, but underestimates Butcher's insanity because uh, he just plows right into the whale. <laughs> He also tries to apologize to Starlight, who does not accept it. Um, to improve, no, his... that's what I'm saying. The way he, the way he apologized to her was just so. It was basically like, my robotic. bad. It was, it was basically scripted. a my bad. It's like, hey, Starlight, listen. I thought I about, I thought about all my there. issues, and I thought about how I. Treat I had to do a real look at myself, and then why I was treated. Yeah, it's like, it's like, dude, you. Sa- it sounded so speeched, like so scripted. Like if they, like, like he. They've been preparing him for the moment that he runs into Starlight. This is exactly what he's going to say to her. And he cur- she cursed him out, though. She was like, I'm not trying to hear any of this. Yeah, she's she's like, go fuck yourself or some shit like that. She's, she's like, ah, nah, fuck off. To improve his image, the church marries him off to a female member and starts a whole press Who gives terrible tour. BJs. Terrible blowjobs. You know how much he sacrificed? That was one of the funniest <laughs> you know things. How much I that was one of the funniest things. Uh, yeah, so they start a press tour where his fake wife is like, oh, no, he's changed. He's great. He makes me pancakes in the morning or whatever the hell. And then, and then they talked about his polling going up 70% with among feminists yeah. and all that. Uh, he ends up find, uh, finding out A-Train is kicked out of the seven and recruits him to join the collective. Uh, he befriends Queen Maeve in an attempt to mend things and gets her the cell phone with the footage of the failed plane rescue. Um, Which I don't know how that cell phone survived. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, in the end, it, it is what it is. But in the end, it's decided that the seven won't welcome two former members back out of fear of looking weak. So they choose to take back A Train. So the deep uh, voices his. Which it, that's what I'm saying. It kind of sweeped the rug from under me. It was like, but it, the, the the deep was going through a redemption, even if it was a. Un- he like did. A he did all the like he says. He did everything that was asked of him. A Train hadn't done any of it. No, Adrian but to didn't that point. need to do anything. He only, Adrian only got kicked out because of him being black and stone Well, he life. was also having heart attacks. Remember, he was having what? some weird cardiac issues because of all the compound V he had ingested. Oh no, he was—he well, did get an addiction to compound V, like yeah. So, so it was that, that plus was, the black thing, and then all yeah. he needed to do was steal a PDF file. Yeah, and it was over. And he then got he's himself back in right the back in the seven, and he's been trying to get the D's been trying to get back in the seven since halfway through season one. He's been trying to get back. Yeah, because he got kicked out in like episode three. Yeah, so he's over it. The deep is. Uh, he oh no quits. no! It was um. It was like it was when uh, when did Annie? Uh, uh, I'm assuming like five the, maybe episode five. Like that church place. Yeah. When uh, 
Yeah, whenever that church festival was the is can, when the, he got kicked out. The convention, yeah. Um. So yeah, he basically lets the uh the church uh head of the church know how he feels. He quits. He's over all of this. Uh, he sacrificed too much. He's given them his bank accounts and all of his information, and he's let them create this fictional life for him. He's over it. He quits and he leaves with an emphatic "fuck Fresca." Uh, fuck Fresca. To let to let that be known. Um, the last cast member that I wanted to talk about before I talked about some generalness is Colby Minifee as Ashley Barrett, the publicist for Vought International and later the company's bro, vice president. They kept bro, I got I kept getting scared for this poor girl. I kept thinking she was gonna die this season. So she's I'm so glad that she's she saw great. It. Uh and she's she is like a member of the audience because she's a human. So she fears the things that we fear. <laughs> and um all the stress of this year, Starlight being named as a terrorist I mean, a, a, a mole uh, the stuff with Stormfront, Homelander just making up his own PR, um, it's causing her hair to come out. Uh, her oh hair my is god, that was out, so yeah, that was so sad. But I and wanted to that talk. That wasn't just falling out. That was like a whole like patch. I didn't want to just talk about her though. I wanted to talk about what I call the PR of Vought in general, right? Some of the things that I saw that just like they just nailing big business and the commercialization of everything. Um, I want to start with the supervillain school drill. What do you think about that? The whole idea of like if a supervillain were to get like it's a, it's the school shooter drill. Yeah, but for a oh super my god, oh my god, that opening with Homelander and the, and that police chief <laughs> yeah. is like, what do you do if you hear super if you see a supervillain terrorist some crap like that? Like anything like, can be a was, weapon, and they try to use the was, American flag. What were they? Spe- they were spelling. What were they spelling out? Map or something? Oh, I forget. Damn it! I knew it too, but it it was something like yeah, it was something about what what you were supposed to do in that instance. But yeah, it was just like, um, and and uh, the showrunner talks about it, Eric Kripke. Like, instead of us going to great lengths to stop guns, we are now just teaching our kids how to handle the inevitability that a shooter will come into their school, and it's the same thing here. Instead of dealing with supervillains, we're just going to train kids to deal with them on their own. And it's kind of messed up. It's a lot of messed up things uh, in this world. But yeah, that super supervillain school drill, I was like, wow, these guys are, they're going to hit all the touchstones of the commercialization of some of the things in America. Um, I died at Starlight's Translucent song. The way that they've made that song, it, it, it's such a parody of like worship music and they nail the, you know, like it's one of those things like to, to make a parody, you have to really understand the thing that you're making fun of and they really get what, what that is. And supposedly they wrote and produced the whole thing. And that is uh, Aaron Moriarty who plays uh, starlight. That's her singing. So that is, um, that's telling. I didn't know if that woman was so talented, but Besides her song, we also have the A Train rap, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. I was like, "This is out of control." Uh, the fact that we have this white man <laughs> seemingly laying it down for A Train, but I know what you want to talk about. You want? Oh, to- um, there, there was a bunch of things I I wanted to talk about from from this season specifically. I mean, we kind of like covered 
the whole a lot of the characters yes and, and we covered a lot of like the, the themes of it like the family and, and, and trauma and stuff like that but really more so i want to talk about the goddamn meta marketing behind <laughs> this show because i i brought i had to have brought it i needed to yeah, bring yeah, it up yeah. to you there was no way that every except for episodes two four and i think seven Every episode was an actual in-universe advertisement with actual numbers. Yeah. Like if you or a loved one have have been injected with Compound V, you know, you can consult your lawyer. Here's a number to call. Like it was, it it is hilarious. I've I have personally <laughs> never seen something like that. I think I think where the, the descriptions main... of the episodes was in-universe. Like you see advertisements on a newspaper clipping. Yeah, they're killing all of the. All of the stuff that comes with the boys, like I said again, the social media team behind it, the descriptions, um, how they're dealing with their fans and all that stuff is really, really good stuff. But if we're going to talk about um, the seven and, and how they parody a lot of the stuff, we have to talk about the main event. We have to talk about the dawn of the seven. Uh, the one, of the, one of the most of blatant the parodies of anything ever seemingly parroting dawn of justice and justice league together they talk about Hans zimmer doing the score they talk about josh whedon doing a rewrite they talk about the fact that because <laughs> translucent can't be in it because he's dead they're going to cgi him out see you know just put a man in a, in a translucent suit cgi him out and do you remember who they wanted to get to voice translucent who lin manuel miranda <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they start talking about how great Hamilton is and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're talking about the, the guy's talking about the score and he goes, you know, and then the score comes in, Hans Zimmer, boom, Dawn the, of the Seven. Remember, he's like, yeah, then we got this part of here is the Whedon rewrite. They're like, yep. no, uh, uh, Homelander yeah. says that uh, that Whedon rewrite or that Josh rewrite uh, really sings, doesn't it? Or something like that. Uh, <laughs> the all the right. all the brave Mave stuff, the the rainbow hamburgers, the the um, the lasagna. Like I said, that old girl makes. Um, you see Becca making the brave Mave lasagna. Uh, Dude, they just have a way of of like marketing. They like, suck the soul out. That universe. They suck the soul out and put a put a price tag on it. <laughs> that's yeah, what they do they basically. just they take all the heart out of anything anything what about the fact that in dawn of the seven they were gonna write out a train in the dawn of the team <laughs> they were gonna he was gonna oh leave my god yeah he was leaving <laughs> and he says something like i've been running my whole life maybe maybe it's about <laughs> time, time. For something. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this is ridiculous this is so corny but funny but silly but but oh it was just God. perfect commentary of what you see. Yeah, big business studios, what they think is going to pop the audience and pop demos and all that imagine, kind of stuff. Imagine what going to see Dawn of Justice, in, or not the Justice League in theaters, and at the end of the movie, at the end of Justice League, Cyborg says, "You know what? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've been a machine. I've been switched on my entire life. Maybe it's time, it's time to switch myself <laughs> switch, off. <laughs> switch off. <laughs> it's something like that. It's so it's so corny. And you see him, you like, you see A Train argue against having to say the lines, and then he eventually just does it. And the person that he's doing it to is not even Homelander. It's like a Homelander stand-in or something like that, which also is another you know kind of like." meta studio thing of like oh yeah he's 
too expensive to pay all the time. So we're just going to have some guy stand in and, and do an over-the-shoulder shot. That's it. Speaking of shots, thing, speaking of shots, how do you feel about how do you feel about uh, superhero porn, soup porn? You got home. Well, it's not was a homelander. I can't remember what his name was. Home home banger. Home banger. He had penises on his shoulders instead of eagles. Go back, look at it. <laughs> oh the golden my penises. God. Uh, I just... So supposedly, according to Eric Kripke, they've 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 made this. <laughs> they've made. <laughs> They've made some of this, and he wants to release it, but he can't get Amazon to <laughs> to green light. Uh, he made release. a porn. Uh, so avoid avoid sponsored soup porn. Avoid sponsored soup porn. Listen, if there's any vault porn that I'm trying to see, it's got to have Queen Maven there. Oh dear, I think or she's in. Count. Isn't she in one of them? The one of them was like, wasn't it like Starlight takes Black Noir or something like that? Yep. Because yep. that's when uh, Huey got pissed. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to watch these. Uh, I, oh, it's ridiculous. Sean Ashmore. That was so weird, dude. He was just so he was just sitting there. I don't. I've seen this portrayed in movies too many times for saying. me to think that it that to think that it's real. Nobody just sits and watches. No, I think it's the other way around. I think it's happened so much, so many times in media that I have to believe it's happening somewhere. It's just not happening at my house, right? Like it's happened so often that somebody's into, doing it, I guess. I can't buy into it. I can't buy into somebody legit. Like if they're throwing on the goddamn Big Lebowski, they just sit down, full pants. And not only on, that, like watch they, it. I guess like 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 a, a like this, yeah, like a story, like, right? And then when it's over, put it in putting on another one. Like what? Yeah, it's like it's What's like yo, are we, you, who who porn who movie porn marathons? Like no, there. I just don't see. I've seen it so much in media. That I can't believe that somebody legit says, I'm going to have a movie night. Hmm. Let's see. Cheerleader Girls 5. All right, cool. I think I've seen this one before. And then you bring a friend over. Yeah, both watch it on the couch. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Dudes dudes don't watch porn together. They shouldn't. And if they do, that's probably a a different section of porn altogether. (laughs) Hey, hey, listen. If two dudes are watching porn together, hey, you know, do you. I'm just saying. I don't see two friends. Like, I'm not going to go over to your house with Backdoor Sluts 9 and say, right. yo, George, the new one came out. Let's watch it. <laughs> the new like, one. The Whedon Cut. The Whedon <laughs> <laughs> Cut. Um, <laughs> let's, let's get into... So they've already been greenlit for season three. Uh, yep. Let's get into some light speculation because, you know, there's absolutely no way to ever tell what these people are going to do next. Oh, I, do you have I, any I, I don't even know where to speculate. I I I was saying I'm, I'll continue what I was going with. I think that they're gonna get uh, Victoria to run for some really high office. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. But I hope that she isn't with Vought. I hope that she is a representation of of just a, a radical leftist. Yeah. Um. I think it would be on par with what they were doing. You know, a young, uh, uh woman of color in politician, in a in a in a world where. It's Run by dominantly, you know, older white baby boomer men. You know, and she killed them all. This, seemingly. This a, <laughs> At least in that courtroom, this, she killed a bunch if of them. They, if I, I see Kripke doing what Enos couldn't do. I see Kripke taking such a, a an easy source material to just make raunchy and edgy, and giving it meaning, giving it real commentary. Yeah, Take, no, I agree. giving us substance. Like, like you know, he's doing it right. He's he's doing what others can't he's being edgy with a point he's being edgy with a purpose yes he's not taking yeah he's not taking a stance but he's also going to show like you know he's gonna show everything all the sides like it's 
all everything. He's he gave us so much diverse a diverse cast of real people in a fake superhero world. But these are still real people. Do you think Homelander? I mean, uh, Edgar got a contingency plan for Homelander. I think so. Homelander seems a bit. What do you want to call it? Like he's had his balls cut off, right? Can do whatever the fuck he wants. No, but he's saying that because he kind of can't, right? He can't get Ryan back. He really can't take the girls out of the seven who he knows hates him. Starlight and, and Maeve. He lost. He lost the only woman he loved, like truly, and the actually, only family he had. Yep. So yeah, that's more. The only of thing a, he can do that's whatever the fuck he wants is, is masturbate, right? Group. Which I guess everyone has the freedom to, to do. So if you ever feel powerless, uh, you know, just make sure there's nobody just masturbate over the skyline. Just make sure there's nobody under you. Oh no! Uh, wh- whoever gets hit with that spray is it's dead. 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 It'd be like when that acid, when that guy threw up acid on his own face. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that even gonna be worse because it's gonna be like a bullet. <laughs> think of how think of how backed up that man must be right now. Yeah. That yeah. shit's going to kill somebody. Um. <laughs> I'm fucking insane. <laughs> did you did you want another? Did you want to try to swing for the fences for the season three? Uh, all right. So um, let's see. Where can I? All right. So I think that what's it called? Uh, there's gonna be a new, uh, definitely a new baddie. There's gonna be a new member of the seven. They're gonna bring in us either a new Maybe member Soldier or Boy. get us an old member back. Hopefully, hopefully we get the deep again. Yeah, because I kind of do. I kind of do like the way that he's written and the way uh, Crawford plays him. I want to see if he dope. joins the seven. I mean, the boys. That would be pretty dope. You know, that would be pr- that would be pretty they dope. Take but him it would ha- they would have. They would have to really do some writing. Where oh, and can... also, yeah, she he would be on the same team as Starlight, and I don't know if she's he would have, ready. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that, he, they right? would have they would have to really do some organic apology. Right. No, you're where right. he can like where he can actually explain why he did what he did, and he and he feels actual remorse, and it's not some scripted shit to try because at at that point it was about him trying to get back into the seven. If he can apologize without an ulterior motive. Or without a motive of getting into an industry that she hates, mm-hmm. then maybe it could maybe it could work. But they would literally need to have at least a five minute unbroken scene where he just tells the actual truth. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, I think the season is going to start off in in future time. It's not going to be right then and there because I think <clears throat> what did what did um Billy say? He woke up like. Five out, like hours later, in like a Denny's parking lot or something like that. So it's like it was literally all within the same realm of the day. Right. So I think it's going to be a couple of months in or a couple of years in, especially if we're going to have uh, Newman running for president. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a few years in at least. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we'll see. So um, there'll be. I'm pretty sure all of our political, like um, somebody said to uh, Eric Kripke, like I. How do you manage to stay so on top of the topics? And he's like, I wish it wasn't this case, but the real world is giving us so much ammo <laughs> constantly. That's uh, literally why that... um, South Park is in like its 24th season. Because the world never stops season. being ridiculous. Yep. And so as long always... as the world is the way it is, satire shows can still have ammo. Right, right. And so long the as the boys can literally go farther than it's comic, like the comic ends in like the 59s or 60s, something like the boys can literally surpass the events of the comics and still have amazing ammo because of this real world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's had a lot, a lot of things to say. And that doesn't, 
that doesn't occur without a great uh, showrunner, without great writers, without um, Amazon choosing to, to take a chance on this property and without the amazing cast, like I said, who kills it um, up and down the board. Uh, I guess the last thing I have to say is Love Sausage because I feel like people get upset if we don't talk about Love Sausage. Okay, we definitely have to talk about Love Sausage. I, 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 oh, this is how I knew that, that The Boys was being uh, greenlit for season three. Because Eric Kripke said that they're bringing back Love Sausage to have a bigger role. Oh dear! Well, he was a yeah, friend of the love- boys. He was an old friend of Butcher's back in the in the comic. Yeah. Wait, that is the Russian dude. Yeah. 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 Holy shit! Yeah. Love it, Sausage. It couldn't. It couldn't grow in the comic. It was just huge. No, he just had a really. He, no, he just had a dick to his knees. Yeah, and it was, and it was. He wore tights, so you just saw oh this big God. thing on, on his leg and stuff. Yes, yeah. because this. This was when 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 Butcher and Huey went to Russia Russia to get some like intel or something. Yeah, he was retired. He puts back on his suit to help them. Yeah, he was, and he had like this big Russian like like a um, flagged suit or something. Yeah, like the, this. the 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 sickle and the bar, or the hammer yep. and the sickle. The hammer and the sickle. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God, that's love sausage. Holy oh, yeah. fuck! Did I not? Bro, <laughs> love sausage. I'm so mad right at right right so myself. Because that's literally some that's literally a moment that I could have marked out like, oh my god, he's from the comics, he's from the comics. And I totally forgot. Well you got to mark out live in front of the audience, in front of our yes, major. So, so that's even better. So, so I got to react <laughs> live in front of the audience. Love Sausage returns in They're season bring, three. three. Yes, because Kripke said he's gonna have a bigger role because he was a fan he they found out he was a fan favorite. Yeah. Like when that episode dropped, yeah, all people all the internet was talking about was Love Sausage. And I guess we'll like, see. All right, don't worry. We got some. We got a plan for him. So yes, I'm excited. We'll see if Cindy returns as well. We'll see if, I, she's if she. Back. If she doesn't, I will actually. That that would be probably my only. <laughs> yeah. Angry part of that the show, like like she was amazing. There's yeah. so much you can do with her. Yeah. Because she has no. She's against Vought, but she was also like to, to seeming to be in opposition towards the boys too. Right, and she might be the middle ground between both sides. The same way that I think they're going to uh, position Victoria the same way. Victoria, uh, what's her face? Damn, why did I forget her name? Newman. Right? Newman? Yes. Victoria Newman, I think they're going to position her as somebody who has enough stakes on both sides. The life of a soup and the life of, uh, of somebody who's normal, or at least presents themselves to be uh, normal. But you're right. So long as the world keeps being crazy, they're always going to have something to tackle. And so long as they keep having something to tackle, we're going to have something to cover as part of the Major Issues podcast, which is the best part about doing this is we get to cover the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic book, to comic book media, all as a part of comicbookclick.com, which is where every single episode of the Major Issues podcast is exists and lives. Uh, we're not hiding anything like Vaughts. We're putting it all out there to let you guys know that everything that we do here, for the most part, is free of charge, and we do it just for the enjoyment. We don't have no Nazis working with us, so nope. don't worry about that. Nope, we do no it for Nazis the, working with us. We do it for the pure enjoyment of the craft, the pure enjoyment of the art that is comic books. But go to comicbookclick.com. Oh, sometimes I just feel like we have to denounce white supremacies because other people won't. So <laughs> this is true. Ain't no standing back and standing by over here. Yeah, ain't no standing back and standing by. Only the major issues listeners stand back stand by but uh but yeah every single one of our episodes of the major issues podcast is up there at comicbookclick.com so thank you so much for getting to the end of this one but you don't gotta leave us you just go and to that website and 
listen to one of the other 146 episodes, I want to say, as we continue our march to episode 150. Numbered episodes? Yeah, it's like it's like 148 numbered episodes plus yeah. like three special episodes. We are on the march to 150, which will be at the end of this month. So make sure that you guys are listening to old episodes so you guys can join in on the conversation for episode 150. Uh My- God. Yeah, crazy, right? You That's don't have crazy. to. <laughs> 75 episodes later, we're at, oh That's my it. God, we're already at almost 150. I can't believe this. Almost 150. So uh, continue to support like you guys have been doing. The numbers have been great. We've gotten listeners from all over the country, all over the world, to be honest. Um, and just keep supporting. We'll keep doing what we do here. So you guys keep doing what you guys do there. If you don't want to go to comicbookclick.com to listen to the podcast and you already have a podcast app, odds are we're on it because we're on podcast Attic, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Podbean, wherever podcasts are found. The easiest way to find us is to go to Google and type in Major Issues Podcast, and we'll be the first 18 uh, results because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic book and comic book media. As a matter of fact, if you go to facebook.com slash comic book click, there's actually a video showing you how you can do just that. Type in Major Issues Podcast and how we come right up, and you can select us and like, share, and subscribe. Uh, but as far as all the other social media, we're also at uh, Major Issue CBC on Twitter. We're at Comic Book Click on Instagram. And you can use the hashtag Comic Book Click to talk about all the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. What's your Twitter ha- Twitter handle, sir? My Twitter, well, I don't have a Twitter, but the easiest way to find me and communicate with me is Dan's Comic CBC at Instagram, D A N S C O M I C C B C. Yes. Dan, sorry, Dan's Comics S. So there's an S after the comic. <laughs> Dan's, Dan's Comics CBC. CBC. Easiest way to find me, just type in my name on, uh, and you can find because I have my name on my bio. Yes. Type in Dan Georgie or Danny Georgie, and bam, my Instagram pops right up, and that's always the easiest way to reach me. I'm always promoting Comic Book Click. I'm always promoting major issues, and I'm just kind of always reading comics and posting what I read. Yes, we're always up for conversation, so just let us know how you feel about uh, The Boys Season 2. Let us know um, across all of our social media. Uh, we are trying to spark up this conversation, and you guys have been doing a great job supporting. The only thing I ask is if you can, rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't, uh, so we can become the greatest podcast known to man when it comes to comic books. I've been to the future can't tell you how it will literally make your head explode so uh just keep following us get on the bandwagon before it gets full and continue to join us on our march to episode 150 but my name is george serrano aka the don i am dan the comic book man and this has been our the boys season two review and remember whether you love or hate almond joy whether billy joel is your jam or billy butcher is your man Thanks for listening to another mind-blowing episode of the Major Issues Podcast. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy.